the airplane. We'll share tips and tricks on how to build models and talk about successful flights, epic crashes, and everything in between. Welcome back to the Aviation RC New Podcast. You found us. My name is Joe. And I'm Matt. Visit us at rcplanelab.com to sign up for our email list and to ask us questions. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us in your favorite podcast app. We're here to be with you along your journey and to share our experiences in RC Aviation. If you have any questions, thoughts, or want to share a flight story, hit us up at aviationrcnoob at gmail.com. Now, buckle in. Let's take off. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now, here are your hosts, Ron and Tom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Aviation RC Plane Noob Lab podcast. <laughs> That's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. I mean, right? <laughs> well, hi, guys. How are you doing? We have Matt and Joe on from the Aviation RC Noob podcast. And you have Tom and Ron on from the RC Plane Lab podcast. I was going to let them say that. Oh, I'm yeah, that would have yeah, been so, yeah. ideal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, I'll do it real quick. Welcome to the Aviation RC Noob podcast slash RC Plane Lab crossover episode. How's that? That sounds great. All right. Episode 51 for the Aviation RC Noobs. And it is episode, what, 101? No, we'll be 102 at this point. 102. Nice. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, guys. I'm making it past 100. That's a big, big milestone. Well, Thank so you. is 50. You guys yeah, are doing great, too. One. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's actually even appropriate for, I think we put it out typically every two weeks. And you guys, I don't know how you manage every week, really. I don't, I don't know how Ron does it either. <laughs> If, <laughs> we, if, if my if I'd had I'd be tipping it to you right now. We are taking July off. Well, here's so. the, here's the thing. So like, because you guys um, publish every couple of weeks, your episodes are typically a little bit longer than ours. A lot longer. So mm-hmm. I feel like your fifty episodes are probably equivalent time wise to our one hundred minutes. Yeah. So think, there you go. I think they're about right because we're we're around two hours with one exception, maybe two, and yours are almost. Almost straight on an hour, plus or minus, depending on if you're talking to somebody or just, you know. Yeah, and I have no idea how that happens because that is not planned. That's no, just absolutely like, not. You know, we come to sit down to record, and that's where we end up getting bored. I Pro- guess probably because yeah. we have about an hour's worth of patience with each other, and that's. <laughs> that's I don't know if I say that. <laughs> I'm just teasing. It's a lot less than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always nice. think, oh, this thing, you know, we're going to start this. This is going to be done in a half hour. We're going to be like, oh. You know, and then sure enough, we start talking about this or that. And by an hour and a half later, we're like, oh, no, uh, we need to wrap this up. We're, we're going to hit way over our mark here. Yeah. And then and, the four hour mark, you're like, all right, seriously, it's time to end this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not editing two hours out. Okay. <laughs> so before we get too much into talking to each other about stuff, I want to know. Sure. Uh, how did you guys come up with starting a podcast and why? Well, okay. I'm going to let Matthew talk about that one. Yeah, this was, uh, I don't know about my brainchild, but it was something I had rolling around in my head. Uh, I'd listened to, uh, now my, because I'm at, I'm thinking about it, I don't have their names in front of me, but it's, uh, you know, Mike, um, the, the Flight Test uh, Community Cast. I was listening to those guys and what ended up turning into the FT After Hours or the After Hour Podcast RC After Hours is with Andre, but it was with a bunch of other guys in the beginning, and it was FT After Hours. So I used to listen to those guys every week, and I listened, tried to devour as much, like anybody new in the hobby. And I remember 
just without listening to those guys while I was mowing my lawn or whatever it was, I don't think I would have stuck in the hobby. I mean, I was pushing planes into the ground as hard as I could, <laughs> as fast as I could. <laughs> and some of them were not recoverable. I mean, I had a, a bloody baron that went up about 100 feet and went straight down 100 feet, mm. and the battery started to catch on fire, started smoldering, <laughs> and I threw it out in the parking lot. like, oh, gosh. Um, but without listening to them talk about how they, they were cutting down the wrong tree in like a forest, <laughs> I came back the next day and cut down the right tree after climbing the one next to it by accident. Oops. Yeah, that kind of like they had those kind of stories. I'm like, oh, like I trying to find a plane they lost, so you mean? Yeah, they lost in the tree and they're like, oh, and they, they were climbing it in the dark. <laughs> and then they realized they climbed the wrong one. So they went back like the next day with a saw and they sawed something down and they thought it was the one with the tree with the plane in it and it wasn't. Anyway, it's worth listening to their podcast because they, they always have, they, in the beginning, they had a bunch of amazing stories. It was good to listen to. What it was, was it kept me in the hobby. And I kept thinking, and then I started noticing, like, they were all saying, I'm done. I don't have any more content. I'm out. And, of course, now 50 episodes, or in your case, it's 100 episodes plus in, you know, I'm looking at it going, like, yeah, hey, I, I understand that now. So it's pretty hard to, to pick up some content. But I said, but at the same point, like, it was them talking about the nonsense that they got into and them just laughing about the ridiculous stuff that they tried and that they knew they should have done that they did anyway. Um, so that was one aspect that I wanted to keep going, right? Because when you're new in the hobby, and that's what our podcast is aimed for, it, it's really easy to kind of lose faith and lose hope that you're even thinking about doing it right, especially if you're by yourself. Yeah. So listening to other people kind of go through their trials and tribulations kind of helps you get back into it. There's a lot of times I had put down the hobby knife and I was done only to have like a couple episodes <laughs> later. I'd be like, all right, I got to go try it again. That sounds like fun. I forgot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see and that. Like it's a, it's a good thing to kind of keep you going if, if you lose the, the drive. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I get that. Yeah, definitely. So coupled with that, uh, Joe had just got into it and I was like, you know, I want, one of the things I wanted to do was get a couple, you know, get some feedback on people getting into the hobby and listening to like what kind of, like nobody told me it was this because mm. there's always that, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, it's easy. You just, you know, you balance it and you throw it in the air and it flies great. Right. Look. And then, you know, the old timers do it without thinking. But what they're not telling you is like the four or five steps they inherently do and don't even communicate that. So when you're new, you're going like, I don't, I'm doing it wrong. Like, I don't know what, how am I missing this? Hmm. They make it look so easy, that kind of stuff. And I wanted to hear, you know, have somebody who is newer to, to be there to kind of ask the questions and to kind of help suss out those, those little nuances hmm. that get lost mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by the experienced flyer. Yeah, somebody new to the hobby like Lori, for example. Lori would be a perfect candidate. Yeah, taking Absolutely. a little different uh, route into it, but right. yeah. Yeah. And uh, Joe has been an excellent candidate for that too. And so as he just got started, I'm like, hey, you want to start a podcast? And he's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I said, it'll be great. And I, I gave him the, the Cub Spout speech. It's a, it's like a half hour a week, I swear. That's all we do every week. <laughs> sorry. We both cracked. And honestly, right. yeah. That's exactly what I said, too. <laughs> yep. You know what? We can record once a month. We'll have them all knocked oh, out yeah. in a day. That's I it. remember that conversation. It'll be great. It'll be like an hour. We'll record a bunch. It'll be sweet. Yeah. And, and honestly, I really thought it would be a half hour I, or maybe 45 minutes. Me, too. Because I was, I was thinking, I'm listening to like the... 
um, there's a heli podcast where I, it sounds, and again, it sounds like they just turn on the mics, they shoot the stuff for an hour, and then they turn it off. They throw like a couple like really bad bloopers near the end, and then they that's it. They publish, and it's it doesn't seem like they and spend any time doing any editing. Well, that means they're well, either really good at recording or really good at editing, and you don't know where the edits are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, right, and I don't, you know, I'm not really sure if they. I think it's genuinely straightforward, but there's a lot of pre and post conversation that gets put towards bloopers. I think it's how mm-hmm. they do it. So for the most part, they just sort of, I mean, they leave the the ugly stuff in for the most part. I mean, they really rarely kind of cut and go, okay, that was awful. <laughs> okay, we're back. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So Matt, why? That like the, that's the that's the question I I'm curious to okay. get the answer for. Like why? Like so do you wh- have why a, bother going Yeah, like why go this? through all the trouble and like what is your like if you had a mission statement, what would it be? A mission statement, and I think even it's in our podcast, it's in our website. It's basically to keep the new aviationist in the hobby and give them a sense of community. Yeah. Somewhere to start. Mm-hmm. I have to update the website now. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I'm just not, I'm, I'm not looking. What is it, Joe? What does our website say? Uh, it's, it's more about to, uh, to be with that was you awesome. along the journey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like what you guys say in your intro. Yeah, it is. It's just yeah. to help the newcomer into the hobby and entertain those who have more experience, you know, and uh, <laughs> tips, tricks, et cetera. Yeah. 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 And, and Matthew's right, because he did approach me about it being just just a real short bit, not not much time required, <laughs> and same way you did, yeah. uh, Ron, approaching Tom. And, you know, I, it, I think it was more me that crashed Matthew's uh, view of what that. What the heck, man? He's because, like, uh, I listened to it like six times already. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to like go through it once, chop out the really ugly stuff and just let it fly, man. And he's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Nope. Uh, there's way too many edits and adjustments to be made. There's noise reduction to be done. There's EQing to be done. They're syncing up the tracks. And Matthew's like, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> 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 and and that's the thing is I had no idea Joe was as involved with the audio uh, in in his other areas of life. I had no idea it was an audiophile. So it was like, whoa, I stumbled onto a gold mine slash trash fire. I don't know. <laughs> it was great. A bit of both. A bit of both. Uh, it was fantastic. And honestly, I'm I'm so I'm so happy. I feel like it it helped even out the teamwork feeling uh, that we had, which was mm-hmm. great. yeah. Well, what about you guys? Because Ron, you reached out to me like just we were episode two or three in at that point, and y'all were looking to start up. What what got y'all into it? That's actually I I don't know. I mean, like as as much as I think back on it, like I don't know why I actually thought, hey, let's do a podcast because that is so outside of my uh, my comfort zone. zone For I mean, I'm such an introvert to begin with. It's like. If I saw somebody out in public I don't know, it's like, a, oh, hold your head down and just kind of walk past them. You know, I don't want to talk to you. But anyway. <laughs> I don't know you. I don't know you. Don't talk exactly. to me. Exactly. So I I was kind of like looking for different podcasts to listen to, and there, there really weren't a lot of uh, – there weren't enough out there to fill the time that I needed filled uh, on the hobby. Right. And, you know, I listened to a lot. And they were going away at that point too, weren't they? Yeah. Like- there, there really were not a lot of uh, – 
ones that you could count on being there all yeah. the time. It was it was right. a period of transition. Yeah, yeah but there was some like on the it. way out, and then some other newer ones like yours uh, that Ron mm-hmm. had, you know started listening to. Yeah, and so out of nowhere, I'm like, Tom, what do you think of of starting a podcast? He's like, What's a podcast? <laughs> That's exactly true. Like, I I mean, I I know kind of what a podcast, or at, at then I yeah. kind of knew what a podcast was. The but gist. I yeah, I didn't listen to them. Certainly didn't download them, and you know listen to them on my phone or on the devices mm-hmm. in the house or whatever. So, yeah. so I thought, well, you know, it sounds interesting. And the way you sold it to me, eh, you know, half hour here, <laughs> half hour there, you know, <laughs> you know, we'll produce a, you know, produce an episode once a month, see how it goes. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can commit to that. And here we are, you know, two years two later, years later and yeah. Two years later. Yeah. And countless hours on your end of editing. Yeah. I took the brunt of that, but anyway, absolutely. Um, so after we kind of thought, yeah, not a bad idea. Let's kind of look into it. Um, I emailed Joe and said, hey, you guys just started out. What do you think? Like, is it worth doing? Which, once again, that's completely out of, like, my character. I don't even know why I did that. Yeah. Um, and two episodes wait, in, he's going to have all kinds of advice yeah, for Exactly. You. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's response wasn't, just run. Yeah. It should have been. No, he ghosted me for the longest time, actually, and never responded. I did. I did ghost you. It yeah. was, He's like, Do, it, should we even respond to this? I'm like, Joe. No, no, no. I knew I wanted to respond to him. Just, yeah, he just wasn't sure how. He wanted to I, make sure it was appropriate. Yeah, no, that's it, it was, and you know, I'll, bl- I'll blame work, but it really wasn't work. I just sat on it. And finally, no joke, I was down in Augusta, Georgia. It, it had been a long day, and I finally just said, you know what? I got to reply to him. Yeah, that's when I banged out that long, detailed, well, semi-long, detailed email to you about my experiences with you or with the podcast and how all that went. I was like, I'm so sorry for, you know, being so late getting back with you and this, that. And then I think the next reply I got from you was like, yeah, dude, we're like four episodes in and I'm not having that bad a time with I it. don't think that's how it was. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was like that at all. Um, no, but I, I do remember we, we went back and forth with... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Emails are I, forever, buddy. Yeah, they are. Well, so the, the way I remember it, and you're probably going to tell me differently, um, is that, you know, we, we went back and forth a few times. And in one of the emails, you gave me your phone number. And you're like, if it's easier, mm-hmm. call me. We can talk about it. I'm like, oh, sh- oh gosh. You know, this is <laughs> this is weird. I'm, I, what, I, what do I talk to the guy about? And then finally, we, you know, we ended up talking on about this for a while. And uh We've kind of kept in touch a lot since and spent several multi-hour. Yeah, like long-lost brothers. Yeah, <laughs> several multi-hour conversations. Brothers from other mothers. Um, since That's then. It. so Man, our conversations have spanned all kinds of topics. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me feel like Tom and I should be having conversations, which we, I mean, we haven't had or anything, but it feels like, well, maybe we should have I talks. I don't know, maybe. Show you what it's like. <laughs> Call um, him. Well, I know I will. Uh, no, it's, it's, I'm, I'm just kidding around, but I, and I remember, I think I replied, I'm like, Hey, awesome. I'm glad you're listening. You should do it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was so in depth. I was like, okay, so Joe's the one I want to talk to. Cause he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't know. I didn't, I wasn't sure quite how much, you know, how much, I think I'm, I mentioned about roughly how much time we spent and kind of the effort, some of the surprises we'd run into yeah. and what we used. 
And it was just enough to kind of get your whistle wet, I guess. And I wasn't sure how deep you wanted to go. And if you're, I think you came back asking a lot more audio details. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. I don't know any I, of those things. I, you know, it's honestly, it's been two years ago. I don't remember how all that stuff started no, either. Okay. But Joe's that, still pulling. It was good. Just, yeah. just as a little tidbit, oh. I'll say Uh-oh. this. <laughs> it. I, it turns out I replied to you within four days. See? Yeah, that was a long time. <laughs> You're the one that ghosted me for a month oh, on the reply. Ron. Oh. Well, at Dang. that point, it's not like we were friends or anything. I'm like, okay, well. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been nice to say, hey, I got your email. Thanks for the reply. I'll talk to you soon. So that's funny because Ron just accused Joe of ghosting him, and it was actually the other way around. That's that's really interesting to me. I told you I don't remember stuff from two years ago very well, so who knows how it actually went. Uh, well, apparently we have the paper trail now. But yeah, anyway, emails are forever. <laughs> yeah, so, I can forward it to you. It just really yeah. that. I'm sure I still have it in my in my files somewhere. Um, Go ahead and so send it, it to in me. our group. I'm I'm the old fart, so I'm always like, oh, what's this email thing? I don't know what you're talking about. Are you talking about me? Oh. No, I'm talking about me. Oh. Tom, I'm saying I'm the old fart in our group. Oh, and you're anytime okay. it's like, oh, you I'm, just did the thing. I'm and pretty I'm like, sure on this episode, know. I'm the old fart. I'm pretty sure in like anything yeah, that we've ever talked to bit. anybody, you're the old fart. <laughs> any <laughs> guest, oh any God. anything. Ron, easy, easy. Well, no, that's, that's no your offense, buddy Brian, here. but Brian is older than I am. So there. But we have to oh, be okay. nice to our dealer. <laughs> so I don't. Now, now oh, <laughs> is Brian the uh, the yeah, uh, from hobby shop dynamic guy? Dynamic balsa, balsa yeah. guy, yeah. That's right. Yeah. You okay, guys, yeah. seriously, you guys need to make a trip to that hobby shop. Yeah, if, like, you're, if ever, you're ever in Illinois, you owe it to yourselves to stop by that place. It's, if you're uh, not a fan of balsa before you walk into that place, you will be a fan of balsa when you leave that place. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, so for the listeners who are going, <laughs> where? let me find out where this is. I need to go. What town in in uh, Illinois is it? It's actually Northern Illinois in Leonore, Illinois. Yeah, Leonore. Dynamic okay. Balsa. So um, it's like you would not think based on it's in the middle of nowhere. I mean, really it really is. is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this small it's podunk town right across the street. Well, is don't actually say podunk. I mean, there's got like a bar. <laughs> there's like seven houses. They have a big pavilion there. You know, they have a big park. It's the middle stuff. of Illinois. Yeah. Well, it's a little higher than the middle of Illinois. But yeah, yeah you're it's right. North it's a little north. You know what I'm saying? You know what? Look, there's there's like Chicago and then there's uh, <laughs> there it comes. Lincoln. Oh, stop it. Right? Well, no. And then there's the rest. Yeah. It's like Gilligan's Island. I wouldn't go that uh, far. I mean, Illinois isn't but that it, bad. It's, it is. The, the town okay, is stashed away in the cornfields in the, in the northern yeah. central Illinois. It's north of Bloomington. Yeah. And like Ron says. Yeah. To see the to to drive through the place and to drive by the building, it's very unassuming. You wouldn't even know really if it weren't for I think there's a Traxxas sign out front. Out yeah. front, you wouldn't even know that okay. there was hobbies in this place. But as soon as you like, you get the door cracked open and and you get just this like small view. It's like instant, mm-hmm. like whoa, this mm-hmm. is something special. This is this is yeah. worth going back every month for the last <laughs> yeah, year and a half. Right? <laughs> Take so my anyway. money. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about, dynamic balls. Yeah. So that's uh, so for for the listeners that aren't aware, that's one of our favorite uh, hideouts. And that that's a weird thing yeah. too. Like I keep forgetting that there's people that are going to be listening yeah. on your side that don't know kind of what right. we do, and then people <clears throat> on our side that don't really know what you do. Yeah. So right, and that's part of the reason for the episode is I, you know, we're about to crack into your world. I I am at least. I yes. think Joe's interested. You know, and I'm eager and. 
trepidatious only because it's a very different building style. The speed at which things get completed is maybe not totally different. It's it's different though. It can be. It's a different yeah. process. Yep. And it's uh, I'll call higher step process. You know where it's like oh I just cut here I pull things together glue make sure they're square throw a wing on it and off we go like that's what foam building is in my mind yeah and I've also been doing it for for some odd years and uh, we'll get to the, my number in a little bit but it's pretty <laughs> high I, I shared it with Joe and he's like whoa dang <laughs> so it's amazing how they how quickly they creep up on you yeah yeah well when each plane is five dollars well, true and an afternoon that's true yeah. um. Uh, and then, you know, I, I don't know, I, look, I have a job where I do a lot of technical stuff and during lunch, I don't know, there's not too many places to go that are terribly exciting. So I'm like, well, I got CAD. Oh, what's this plane look like? Uh-huh. Ooh, I bet you I can make that. Yeah. Come on. And then about, uh, two, two lunches or three lunches later, cause I'm a adept at CAD. I've got a full plan set and you know, the next week I'm throwing it together just to see how it comes together. Like how my planning worked out. And then sometimes it's like, oh, let's get a motor in this. Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. And off we go. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I, and to see that kind of, I, when I work on things, they're the year and a half to two year uh, fruit uh, of the labor. You know what I mean? So I'll I'll come up with a design, and it will be three years later, two years later before I see the physical thing. Uh, so it's a it's a long term. Well, that's awfully slow for phone. investment. Well, I'm talking about for what for I do. What for what he them. does, yeah. Come on. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I, 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 I was trying. So, I, so I the foam building is a great juxtaposition yeah. to that scale. Yeah, sure. So I can see what I what I dream up in my mind in a night. Right, right. You know, it's fantastic. That is cool. <laughs> yeah. So it, I, it definitely scratches that itch for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, Balsa is a, a little a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes takes a little more time, but. But the the end result is so much more rewarding. Like even if you don't but design don't it yourself, don't say I more. Think. You don't know if it's more rewarding. I would to think me, it's more rewarding. Well, in, in my opinion. Well, hold on. Okay. In <laughs> defense of my, what I'm about to say, we have ne- <laughs> you got to say now. it first. We have never done what they do with foam. We've never. Well, yeah, no. you kind of have. You designed no. the sandpiper. That was that's a. I was told, by the way, by by Joe, that's a profile foamy, and that doesn't count as a foam airplane. It doesn't count. Absolutely. I mean, it, don't worry. It is a foam airplane, and it is a great way to get fun in the hobby and get started right away. It gives you the profile and the look, and you get to fly, and that's really all that's important. Yeah. When it comes down to it, uh, but as you get a little bit more advanced, like I'm doing things. That you know the uh, Taylor Aero car, yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah. Like I've I've got a model that looks just like the Taylor Aero car. Oh, okay. It's like a bug. It's got the thing. It's got the wings. I literally pulled the livery from a historical document. I've got it going on mine, and it flies pretty well. I have to. I bent the axles on hard landing, so because <laughs> they were made of toothpicks, basically, uh, or barbecue skewers. But so I'm, I'm putting replacing those with metal. Hmm. But other than that, it's it's a fun airplane to fly. And it, it's not like a profile. It's more, right. I was just going to say it's more than just a profile. It actually has dimension. Yeah, it's, it's like a VW bug it. made out of foam board. Yeah, yeah. It's like a one. Yeah, three D with a cone on the back. All right. Yeah, and a Hershey bar wing because that's what that plane was. <laughs> and there's a little tiny motor on the back, and it works. So yeah, correct, Ron. We we don't do the same thing. Yeah, I uh, haven't. I was also going to show you. I've I've got a a plane in the background that I designed and built. That's 
fully molded 3D foam, and I've got to put the 50 millimeter EDFs and and the really complex landing gear, and I'm blanking on because you know I'm I'm talking about it, so I don't remember. Uh huh. I do that um, all the time. Don't worry. <laughs> but it's it's, it's uh, one of the things that's on the carrier. It's like an interceptor that's on the carrier. It does like five different jobs. And I turned out uh, one of the guys I work with in the utility industry, he's a supplier. And I asked him what he did. And he says, oh, you know, I fly everything. I'm like, what do you mean you fly everything? He's like, well, I, I was basically the flight deck manager for the uh, aircraft carrier, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I flew every aircraft. And I, matter of fact, got one of the speed records for landing. I, I did like 90 landings and takeoffs in um, three minutes or whatever. Whatever it was he, he did. I was like, What? That, Holy crap. Hold on, that doesn't add up. That's one every two seconds. I, I think he was just, uh, yeah, it's, I don't, I think it's basically he got planes up, ready to go, and off. Oh, and so okay. Many, I ended okay. out and went in. I don't know. He, he described it's a measurement tool that they use to see how prepared they are. Okay. And he, he actually flies them too. So he comes in and does the landings and he, because he wants to know how the process is, right? And uh, anyway, so I asked him, I said, what do you, what's your favorite craft? And he told me, and then he showed a bunch of pictures and all stuff. And so I went to work, you know, I was inspired and I've got this thing. It's been sitting ready for a year because <laughs> the only thing I need is a 3D printed. It's, it's a really complex folding landing gear, rear landing gear. And I, I don't want to just stick a wire in it and call it done. I kind of wanted to have the gear kind of come out. That would. That'd be the coup de gras. Hmm. Okay. But other than that, it's ready. Like everything in it is ready. Well, we don't have video, so I'm going to take your word for it and try and. <laughs> I'll share I'll share some pictures or I'll find a link for you because I know I, I wrote it up. Okay. Um, it's one of my many projects. Yeah. Um, so send me pictures I'm, then for sure, because what I'll do is I'll just, I'll add the pictures to the bottom of our episode uh, on our website. Okay. That way people can see that on the, on the website then. Well, okay. Then when we talk about our numbers. I'm going to share with you my, I'll call it my hanger that's on the flight test forum. I, I know that's, you know, kind of cheesy, but that's sort of like my repository of where I put my stuff. Um, and then we, anyway, you could share that. And then basically anybody who wants to see like, and there'll be all the build logs and plans as okay. part of that. So anyway, go ahead. I, I kind of went off a tangent there, but I, but my point is is that they're 3D fully molded scale models out of foam. Okay. Or that, not. So, or not. Sometimes they're just simply folded. Yeah. Like, you know, folded and angled. I mean, the Spitfire is a, a three-bend process to get the, the wing folded over. But ba back to you guys. No, you're fine. I mean, that's... <laughs> we don't do foam. Like, well, we, you guys... We, Matt was talking about you know, he's wanting to get into balsa. So that was sort of leading the conversation, I think, in that direction. Like he started with foam and now it's time to come to real airplanes. <laughs> and, uh, oh, wait, no, is that, is that not what I should say? Uh, well, here, so here's one of the things that I'm, what I'm getting as I go through this is what I've learned is that a balsa airplane will hold up for 30 years. In storage. It can. You can mm -hmm. Put it in a good storage spot. And it'll, it'll be there. And all you got to do is just prime up the motor and get it done. Get it ready. Mm -hmm. And that's all you need. Yeah. I would agree with most um, of them. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, you know, there's there's variations on that. Foam will very be very unlikely to hold up that long. You may have one for about you know, five to ten years. I mean, they hold up longer than you think if you take care of them. But regardless, it 
it's not nearly the same uh, shelf life. But it's not nearly the same investment either. Right. Both in money and time. No, this is true. Yeah. You know, so I think it's directly proportional, right? Like, you know, maybe maybe mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of time and investment in the foam airplanes, so therefore you get maybe three or five years out of them. Mm-hmm. Whereas the time and money you spend maybe on a quality, uh, a quality balsa airplane that you built yourself is probably going to last a little bit longer, you know, and which is directly proportional to how much time you spent building it and yeah. money you spent on mm-hmm. it, right? However, they all crash the same. They do. They, they are <laughs> they all do. perfectly capable of re-kitting themselves at any given moment. Very quickly. Yeah. Uh, that is one of the one of the big advantages I find, especially when you're new, which is who we kind of cater to on our podcast, um, to highlight, like, to go into foam. Like, it's your, when $5 crashes, there's not much crying. You know, I cannot when, argue when with your that. week-long endeavor and, you know, $300 expense goes in and it's just toothpicks. Yep. It, there's a little bit more tears coming yes. out. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I agree. 100%. Yeah. And, and more importantly, you're less likely to stick with a hobby and that sucks because it's a fun hobby. It is. It, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of joy. Even in the – th- what I've tried to teach my kids is that it's, you know, these things are hard. Sometimes and it stinks because it's hard. It's sometimes you just want to quit, but boy, when you get to that spot where you overcome that difficulty, it's even sweeter. Yeah, the payoff and reward for that is almost always, you know, a tenfold advance. Yeah, I would it's agree. Seriously worth it. But I still, there's just something about a balsa airplane. Yeah, and it's hard to it's it's really hard to to quantify what that is. Like what like. Like I'm sitting here, you know, we're I'm I'm listening to the conversation and and I'm trying to imagine the words I can use to describe the difference. And I and I I can't. It's hard to put into words. I know. It's the feel. Well, it's the the. It I don't as I know. understand it's, it, it's more rigid, and consequently the the plane's behavior is more predictable. Consequently. I mean that's not always the case, but it seems like that tends to well, be the way of it. I mean, I've had I've had profile foam airplanes before. Like you know, I have my F twenty twos that I mm-hmm. flew combat with when I was at tech school. You know, way you know a few years ago, and that was a fairly predictable airplane. It flew the same way every time, but it didn't. I don't know. It just didn't scratch that itch. Yeah. I, it's hard to. Mm-hmm. It's just really hard to put into words. But Ron and I, I think, both agree that we prefer balsa. Well, and there's something. <laughs> That you're not going to get with a profile foamy, that you're you know Absolutely you don't get true. the actual shape, you don't get the the shimmer and the shine mm. off of the monocote, off of the covering, off of the, uh, I mean just the whole airplane to me <laughs> when it's made this way is better than a profile foamy just for the yeah. looks. And I just certainly don't mean right. to take anything away, especially from like the store bought you know the molded foam airplanes that you know are they look like copies of the real yeah. one only smaller. But there's just something about them, you know, like the sound they make when you handle them. It's just not balsa. Yeah. It's so hard to describe. It really and I, I've, is. I've got some of the EPS foam airplanes. I know yeah. what you're talking about. And yeah. they're, they're mm-hmm. like, I don't want to mess any airplane up. Like, right. But it's very easy no. right. to dent a wing or to mess up, just take a little bit of that pain off if you hit something wrong with a fingernail or something like that yeah. on the foam airplanes that right. you don't get with an actual built-up balsa covered airplane. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's Everybody has their own preferences, and there's no right or wrong answer as long as you're flying. I'm excited that Matt's going to try it, though. I really am. 
Yeah, me too. Well, I, yeah, and I've got, I've, and we'll get into that when I get my numbers, but I've got like five or six that are in different sets, different types of kits and different levels of difficulty. And so I'm eager to start. So you, you have the kits already? Uh, yes. So I've built a, I've, I've bought a couple Gillows kits. Oh, oh okay. Because they're kind of small yep. and starter and you can tissue cover them and they look great. And I mean, I'm thinking about putting like an 1104 with a five inch prop or six by three kind of low end, lightweight, just, yeah. you know, just enough to kind of get it moving. Yep. Yep. And have have fun with it that way. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a few of the of the conversions out there, and they're so having attempted several Gillows kits and and Dumas and then Comet and the others, I can tell you that they are challenging at best to build and finish and make them look nice when they're done. And I think Ron would probably agree with me. Yeah, I've done one, and I don't. Like I would, I do not want to do one again. Yeah, <laughs> I want to build more airplanes, but I don't want to build one of those again. And I've found that as I get older, I want to do those types of airplanes even less. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. It's lots of small parts, and you know they're they're yeah. fantastic little kits. No, I'm I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but they're not no, no, no. they're not no, like but, an, but they're small, right? Exactly. And it, it's not going to behave. And and I've built a lot of small foamies. Yes. And they're a handful in the air. Absolutely. Period. And and I know that basically that magic sweet spot seems to be three feet to four feet is the which is like the park flyer, which is where you start to all those tendencies start to calm down, and yeah. You know, as long as you set it up okay, you'll have a fun time flying it. And then when you get to like the six foot mark, it's interesting and it's relaxing. Yeah, well, sort of. Yeah, Ron and I have talked about Mostly. that before on 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 our podcast. It's the Reynolds number, right? It's so it's mm-hmm. it's scaling. You know, you can scale an airplane. I know that guy, but you can't scale a molecule of air. So a molecule of air always mm-hmm. is the same size. But an airplane can be different sizes. So the way an airplane behaves when it's moving through those molecules of air, you know, is dependent upon scale. So, and the bigger they are, we, we say it all the time, the bigger the they are, they fly. the better they fly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The easier they are to handle the, I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, I like big airplanes, but they're hard to fly mentally. <laughs> because you're afraid to lose what well, you have Well, it gets back there. to that conversation of, of, you know, of, uh investment you know you yeah. have a huge and like yeah. the bigger they are you have a huge investment financially yep. and, but then you know you also yeah. have that investment of time and um yeah I, I i get that for me the perfect size is a 40 size sport plane i mean to me they fly great you know they're they're relatively investment wise they're relatively inexpensive. inexpensive yeah and you can have a 40 size little sport plane together in a weekend you know, especially with some of today's quality ARFs. And you can probably frame one up, uh, you know, in a week or less. Uh, yeah, depending, depending on how on much the, you work on it. Depending yeah. on the kit Absolutely. and, and yeah, who made it or whatever. But, um, yeah, for me, for me, Balsa is, uh, it just flies better. And so it's like we speak different languages too. Like when yeah. we talk to, to you guys that do like all the flight test stuff and all that, you talk about A pack, B pack, and whatever all that is. I, I right. don't speak that language i don't know really what exactly that means um but you guys talking cc's right well when we say yeah, 40 crazy. size airplane oh, right. yeah what that means is it's it's made for a 40 size nitro motor which right. is usually around 48 inches yeah you know, four feet or so in that general range on the wing 
Yeah. And so that's a two-cycle that's a 40 size, nitro yeah. motor Sorry. that's supposed to go on the front of that. One of those assumptions I, I make, you yeah. know, just that I, that I don't even think about. Well, yeah, and that's sorry what, about that. That's what we see a lot for yeah. sizing and all that. Like when you buy an R, if it's a 40 size, it's a 60 to 90 size. Right. You know, it's a 120 size. Yeah. And that all has to do with the size of the motor that it's designed to run off of. Right. Um, obviously, bigger airplanes are going to take a bigger motor. And that's kind of how we size things. Yeah. So, like I said, I know it's different with your CPACs and flight test stuff, but... Yeah, and, and it's more like, I like to say, just like, it swings a 10-inch prop. And most people are like, oh, okay. I mean, you know, unless it's an aggressive prop. It's like, no, it's a slow-fi 10-inch prop. Oh, okay, cool. So that kind of gives you a rough power yeah. ratio that you're kind of looking at. So when people are like, oh, I don't know what that means. It's like, okay, it's, it's, a, it's a quad motor. Like, it swings a 5-inch, three-bladed prop, or an 8-inch or a 10-inch... And that's kind of where flight test has decided that it's the economics of it become uh, cumbersome for the beginner. So they kind of ease back, right? Okay. Hmm. Um, and that seems to be where their range is. And that's that's the A, B, or that's the A, yeah, A, B, and C pack, which is basically five inch, eight inch, and 10 inch props. Oh, okay. And, and again, you can, you know, your mileage may vary. Hmm. And of course, there's a lot of gradations. Right. Out there beyond what they they kind of you know they made a quantum set in there so that it's easy but you know if you do what you want really so with the airplanes you fly <laughs> you know? is like what what or with the airplanes you fly what is like the biggest size propeller you fly with is it going to be the ten inch uh, I've got tw- ten and twelve inch mostly ten inch but I've got a handful of twelve inch um, and I've got uh, a couple motors I'm trying to find a home for, I'm making home for, as I should say, that swing 15-inch props. Wow. Good. Wow. 15-inch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, those little pancake motors from the the larger scale, super efficient oh, okay. quadcopters. So, I mean, I'm not, like, putting a ton of stock into it that it's going to be this beast. But mm-hmm. swinging a 15-inch prop is a different animal. Now, I've got a uh, that, that um, Dawn Patrol plane. Which is like a single bay biplane. That's this little. It looks like a goldfish biplane, like the 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 food goldfish. Yeah. Mm, okay. That's what it looks like. Um, anyway, so uh, I'm putting this on it because when you scale down everything, like the the 15 inch prop is the scale for it. Hmm. It's like hmm. a 15 inch height plane. Okay. I can tell you most of my props are nine or ten, just depending on which props I ordered in. Um. And generally, they're slow fly. But I do, for the Spitfires, I want to order in maybe some different props that are a bit more aggressive. And does that help understand? Because I, I recognize that it is, it's a different language. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's like metric versus English. <laughs> so once you kind of make the conversions, like, okay, wait, wait, wait. You're talking kilogram, it's like two and a quarter pounds. Okay, got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. And that, that's the other thing. I, I mean, like, I understand when they do sizing on airplanes and stuff, millimeters make sense. For everyone except us, but man, that always like when they're when they're listening when they're listening like an R that's one point eight meters. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like yeah, how? Right. Like just show me. Like move your hands. How far <laughs> yeah. apart is the wingspan on this? So I can so I can tell how big it's going to be. You know, but right. yeah, I mean, like I that does help a little bit. I I never really thought about those different sizes being correlating to the different size propellers. So that kind of tells me more about the size of planes and stuff you're flying to. Although there's KV differences and all that kind of stuff too that we don't need to get right. into because that could be a very it, It's more the, the nomenclature they use for their product 
But I mean, if you had a nitro motor or a little gas, a little tiny gasser, like if you said it swings a 10 inch property, oh, okay, I can just use this thing. Yeah. Whatever size that would be. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a 40 size nitro airplane, generally speaking, will turn a 10 inch prop. At what RPM? So you're looking at that. Well, we're turning that prop at about 12,000 RPM. Yeah. That's a, that's about what, that's about what these go at. So there. There you go. Let's see. Hold on. We just made a connection. (laughs) <laughs> Look at you guys well, go. 1,200 kV <laughs> times 11, because usually a three cell. That's 1,200 yeah. RPM. Yeah. Uh, 12,000. 12, 12, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah. So it's about the same. So that you're talking, those are the equivalents. So anything that's a CPAC, if you've got a 40 size motor, I guess that's where the equivalency is. I guess I didn't realize the CPACs were that powerful. I thought everything flight they tested are. was a little bit smaller. It's awesome. They're awesome. So what size, like what's the actual size of the motor on that? Do you know? Like hand size? Uh, 28, 28, 18-ish. Uh, that seems awfully. So 28 millimeters by 18 is the stator. That seems awfully small for a 40 size. Like what I usually run on 40 size or. Again, that's that's a stator. So it's not the bell. So I mean, the actual motor looks a little bit bigger. Yeah. And if you go much bigger than that, then they measure the motor. It's actually of the outside of the bell. So the next step up is like a 38, 20 something or other. I don't know what, what it is, but it's like significantly bigger because they're now no longer measuring the stator. They're measuring the outside of the bell. And you're like, okay, well, thanks for changing that. Yeah. I'm not telling anybody. And that's the one, that's, <laughs> that's like one of the things that, that I dislike about, you know, going, you know, electric is there doesn't seem to be, maybe there is, but there doesn't seem to be a consistency from, you know, what a 2812 is compared to a 4210 or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, the, it's like, and different manufacturers measure things differently. And that's really maddening, especially when you're trying to find a cheap motor off of Amazon that is comparable to, say, you know, a Power 46 <laughs> yeah. from, yeah. you know, from Great right. Plains or whatever. You know what I mean? That's when you have to look at wattage and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I'm not smart enough for that. <laughs> well, you don't no, like electric. I'm with you. Yeah, I can't do the, the wattage to horsepower conversion at all. Yeah. Yeah, I well, tried. I don't ever work in horsepower for anything no, electric or nitro because it just that's not the number that really so what, comes. What's out. the what's the unit that you guys use for the gassers and the nitro? Really, it's just size. Size, yeah. yeah. It's like a thirty cc or a fifty cc right. or one hundred and fifty cc okay. or you know. Yeah, that doesn't tell you anything about the power output. Not necessarily, well, but generally speaking, let let's say fifty cc gasoline engines. There, no matter who manufactures them. 50 cc's of displacement, generally speaking, will produce this oh, amount of Okay, horsepower. yeah, that makes sense. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, because there's a certain amount of fuel, exactly. which has a certain explosion rate, exactly. which is physically that much energy. I mean, there, yeah. there's going to be a small that percentage okay. of variance between manufacturers, but a 50 cc engine from one manufacturer should produce about the same horsepower as a 50 yeah. cc engine from another manufacturer. Yeah, within it's a few percentage points. Yeah, so yeah, that's, sure. that's kind of how you can yeah, size yeah, your airplane. Yeah. That's about the, the small out output losses and the the small minute changes and bearings and yeah and, and porting and all that porting, kind of stuff carburation it's all that more stuff. in depth than yeah. i'm gonna get into yeah me too um so <laughs> what i was gonna say although i could talk about it for hours oh because hours because i'm like uh, yeah i don't know well, about that maybe not but, hours but minutes so imagine <laughs> i'm a listener because i am to your podcast and i don't know nothing about gassers and you guys have this you know, 50 year plus collective wealth of knowledge. So help me learn more. You did a great job, by the way, with the motor episode. Really 
impressed with it. Oh, the electric one? Um, uh, no, uh, one? Both the gasser is what I was excited oh. about. You did you go with both, honestly, but. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, the gasser was the one I was paying attention to because I was like, I don't know anything about these. The nitro one. Yeah, I got you now. We haven't done a gas yeah. one yet. That's actually coming up here before too, too long. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm going to cover gas coverage. But yeah, under, but yeah, understanding those things uh, to somebody who's in the electric world, it's it's very daunting. So to break it down in a way <laughs> that it feels less involved, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And But bottom line is, I mean, they're really, really simple. I, I mean, really. You're right. There's okay. not a lot to There's them. There's not a lot to them. They're very simple to operate and they're economical to operate. I Wait, mean, what are you talking about? Gassers. Oh, I thought we were talking about nitro, and I was going to say no. No, no, nitro no. Is we're not talking about gasser. <laughs> he said gasser. So. my foot. Well, do you mean gas or nitro? Because that's the other confusion. People will say gas when they mean nitro because it's still a gas motor. It's just it not a gasoline motor. It's still motor. a liquid-fueled motor, yeah. yes. But gassers generally, we're, we're, we talk about gasoline-powered. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Okay. I was just a little off topic on what we were talking about. Well, you were busy. I was to... looking at my phone because I wanted to look up. So <laughs> we were talking about the the 40 size replacement that I used for electric. And I couldn't remember offhand uh-huh. what size it was. I used, I found some on Amazon that are 35 48s, 1100 KVs. And that's kind of what I okay. use as a replacement for a 40 size. And I right. fly them on a four cell. So 30, 35 48s are like the next step up where they change how they measure. So at a, that's like the threshold where they any lower than that size wise, and they start measuring by the stator size. That's not confusing generally. at all. <laughs> no, no, trust me. Right? Look, oh, I know. <laughs> look, I learned this the hard way, and it's <laughs> weird because you're like, there's nothing in between. I just want a little bit more. Well, the little bit more is the 35, whatever, whatever it is you just said. Yeah. And 3528 or whatever it is. 48. Because that now they're including the bell, which is, you know, four millimeters in thickness between the the magnet and the bell and the the goo and the balancing whatever and yeah. you know net, you know double that now you're now you're at 35 millimeters yeah you know and then that that second part of the the number is how long the motor is so that's when you can get a yeah. little bit more torque out of them too so right yeah. exactly yeah and that's and more that's the thing games. when i'm talking yeah, about oh i've sense. got this little pancake motor i know i'm not getting a lot of torque out of that yeah you know. I'm sorry, I was showing you length, like how far it would wind. <laughs> sorry. I was doing an air gesture to Tom, and he just looked, looked at me like, like a I was paper an idiot. Clip. looked like you were drawing a paperclip in the Well, air. kind of, yeah. I mean, that's, anyway. Well, that's kind so. of how those turns are. Right? That's yeah. Thank you. I no, mean, so you didn't see I'm it, familiar. but you understood what I meant. I'm familiar with electric motors, right? I, mean, I yeah. got you. Yeah. I, I had to go through the explanations of, of turns and stators and all that when oh. we did our motor yeah. episode. Yep. Yeah. And I forgot yeah. most so of that anyway, so... <laughs> And so this is what, what was it? I forgot most, most of it. Yeah, anyway. I've forgotten most of it. So. Oh, gee. And for ours, like the one we did, like I, I don't yeah. keep a lot of that oh, stuff okay. like close in my mind because there's so much else that gets pushed in that pushes everything else out. But anyway, it really does. Yeah, I have a terrible memory. Yeah. Um, so do you guys just like to breathe in balsa dust? Yes. Is that why it's you, the best? You dig balsa planes? Yeah, I'll probably die of COPD because of all the balsa dust that I've inhaled over the years. But uh, I tell you what, I wouldn't change it. It's it's not the balsa dust I like. It's really the glue fumes that get me like really going. Yeah, they can be pretty rough. So guilty pleasure. I, I will admit that even even now, so many years later, I love the smell of monocoat. I don't even mm. notice the smell of that, I, to be honest it, it with has, you. It has a, an odor that every time I start ironing it on to an airframe, it's like, ah, uh, just memories. It's like, oh, I'm home. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I don't know. 
but yeah, the the exhaust, the the you know the the caster with the the methanol, you know, all For the it, nitro. It's yeah. all it's all it's all awesome. Yeah, I I mean, I just don't want to own a nitro. I like when <laughs> other people do. I've said it before, but but yeah, the balls of dust. I mean, there's you know you can mitigate that, right? You can wear a mask if you want to, or if you if mm. you're really fancy, you can you know work on a downdraft uh, type table, which are actually not too difficult to to make. No. Um, I would imagine you lose all your little balsa pieces on those. No, you you can use a screen you and you're not going to lose anything oh, yeah, small yeah, through yeah, a screen. Fine. Yeah. Um, okay. But I mean, yeah, if, if, uh, if balsa dust bothers you, yeah, there's there's ways to mitigate it. And the same the same goes with CA fumes. Like those can get pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, there's ways to to mitigate that exposure as well. And it's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really yeah. is. I mean, yeah. it might shave 15 minutes off your life for every <laughs> every airplane you build, but that's okay. It's worth it, right? Worth it. <laughs> totally hey, now. worth it. No, but Think about Matthew that builds a lot of planes. <laughs> I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of planes. I, like, I don't like sanding. That is the one thing I do not like about balsa. It sands quick, which is nice, um, yeah. but just the mess and all that kind of stuff is, is the one thing... Like where I'm stuck on one of the planes I'm building now is because I don't want to go out and sand it, so that always that always pushes me back a little bit. Um, That's why you have a couple projects going at once. Oh, always, like yeah, more I than see, a couple. I, I can't. I think I can't I've got it. at least four right now that I could go start on. That's sitting out around the basement in different areas. Um, True statement. <laughs> Looking at them right now. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, it's weird. There, that one's stuck at sanding. That one's stuck at sanding. sanding. Yeah, yeah. It's we a each have our thing. Look, mine all stick at electronics. Ah. So it's time to put in servos and hook up all the things and and double check everything right. and make sure that yeah. the arms are the right length. And like that's that's that process, right? It shouldn't take long, but boy oh boy, it takes weeks for me. I'll build a plane and have it ready to go in. It, we're having ready for electronics in like three hours. Yeah, <laughs> but it'll take me a week to get the electronics. Yeah, in. yeah I, it's yeah. it's when there's when there's something you don't really like doing, it is so easy to put that off. Oh yeah, and go to something else you yeah. do like doing. Yeah, so I Ooh, I fully this? understand. You're right. Um, yeah. So let's let's if you're ready, let's move on and talk about numbers. <laughs> okay, changing gears. You brought that up. So I think it's only fair. Here we go. Let's talk numbers. Well, I, you know, I didn't even think about it. And then you guys started bringing it up on your show. And, and I was like, oh, wow, I never even, I don't know that I want to. I, and that's like what we get from most people we talk about. They're like, I had no clue until I knew, you know, you guys did it. And then I wanted to see what my number was and all that kind of stuff. I love the idea just to see yeah. where people are at. Yeah. Well, do we want to start with Joe, which... Yeah, I don't care who we start. We got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, if y'all can hear me, yeah, you're there. You're good. Yeah, okay. So, not that it matters too much, but for whatever reason, my connection's having issues, so I'm in and out. I'm here. The audio's still going, but anyway, that's largely why I'm being so quiet. Is you know, you won't always hear me. Um, (laughs) So my number currently, what are we? What are we saying? Planes ready to fly and then planes in the works. Yeah. So, yeah, the way we break it down, and it's going to be different for you guys because you don't do like ARFs and kits, um, but we have right. planes ready to fly. So, literally, you throw a, a battery in, 
you might need to tweak a thing here or there, but not more than like five or 10 minutes worth of work just to get it all set up. And you take it out and you fly it. And then we have mm-hmm. like planes in progress, ones that we're working on. And then we list separately, like for us, kits and ARFs. Right. Okay. Well, I can say, uh, depending on how I want to break that down, I have either zero ready to fly <laughs> or, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or one, and that one being the uh, Master Series Corsair. Um, and the reason that it's sort of on that zero list is I don't really have plans to fly it right now. And it would take because we recycle, uh, receivers. So I'm not going to have a receiver for every plane. Oh, I would have to, I would have to pull a receiver, put it in it, get the battery in it, power it up, get everything, make sure all my channels are right, make sure everything's. So it would be an hour of pre-work, even if I wanted to attempt it. I would hate that. Well, I don't have, I haven't had a need to have more receivers than I have planes. True. Yet. I guess I can see that. Um, but yeah. I always like to keep a few spare receivers around if I can. Um, or 12. Well, well, now, yes. But because you never know what's coming <laughs> no. up. You never know when you're going to buy another airplane. That's true. Well, my number has never been higher than three at any time. And that's how many receivers oh, I have. Oh, well, there you so, go. Oh, okay. Yep. So that, yeah, that yeah. makes sense then. Now, I, now, I did order in some more receivers, largely because I wanted the same receiver and I wanted each of the Spitfires I'm building for Flight Fest to have their own receiver. So, and makes um, sense. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, planes not ready to go, but close. Uh, could be argued the Vulture, the HRC Vulture, because mm-hmm. I'd have to mount a motor, but it's it has flown. The HRC Seven has not flown yet. That's number two. It needs. Uh, me to go in and fix some control surfaces and figure out what went on with the electronics because hmm. Matthew will tell you we got out there to the field and it went nuts. Hmm. It, oh, I heard about that. Yeah, twitchy stuff, and you're like, "What is going on?" And both of us were looking at it going, "That doesn't make sense." When you put the four cell yeah, in, there was no reason. Yeah, but not the three. Yeah. yeah. And the ESE was rated for four. What about the motor? So you said the motor was not uh, the motor. The motor was. Oh, I thought you said the motor was not. No, yeah, it, uh, do, it doesn't make any sense. Everything was rated for the power he was putting into the system. It just was doing weird twitchy stuff. Well, even uh, if the motor, stuff. even if the motor wasn't, the motor had no power to it yet. True. Like I never throttled it up when we got out there. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. It was just the battery plugged in and servos were doing crazy things. I wonder if there's something weird going on with the BEC. Yeah, it could be. Hmm. Could be. Interesting. Um, so what it, what I need to do is bring it back here and bench it again and actually put the four cell in it and see what's going on, if it's repeatable. And if it is, then I may have to get one of those uh, electrical noise reducer donuts. A choke? Sure. Yeah, the, the little magnets. Yeah. And yeah. the little donut magnets that go around it to mm-hmm. make it quieter. And see if yeah. that does anything. Um, so three. Is the yeah? Is the so there, there's three. There's a Spitfire in the back of my car that is three. almost uh, 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 that's almost planes. ready to go. Um, so I've still got the old fogey that uh, needs a little bit of patchwork and maybe a new wing and power pod, and then my glider uh, that needs some internal work. So Vulture Spitfire Seven, Vulture Spitfire Seven. Um, 
foggy glider, so maybe five. Yeah. In okay. various mm-hmm. conditions. Oh, that's not bad. So not a ton. And then two, two or three more Spitfire sitting there, somewhat mm-hmm. cut out, waiting to be assembled. Nice. I'm sensing a theme. Spitfire. I hear Spitfire a lot. <laughs> I really like the Spitfire. <laughs> it it was the best flying plane I've had yet. Okay. It honestly, the FT Spitfire is a very solid flying model. It's it's it can be a beginner's plane easily. It handles really well. It has of all the different ones I've flown, that one seems to be every time I put it together, it flies the way it's supposed to, right out of the hand. Yeah, that's how they should and be. Yeah, for sure. They, they should all be that, but yeah. they're not always. Some of them, you know, especially with the foam, it's like, oh, well, I put it a little off square, so it flies a little funny. And if you're a beginner, you don't know yeah. any better. And so, you know, this one seems to just make up for any ill tendencies that you may have put into it uh, for the most part. Hmm. Awesome. So, yeah, so we were just like, hey, look, everybody, everybody should build one of these um, and bring it to flight fest because we're, we're going to that uh, fe- festival event, the flying fest. Hopefully we'll get to fly it all together. Yeah, that should that actually should be pretty cool or pretty cool. That's coming up. When is that? Is that the end of next month? End of June? Yeah, June twenty third through the twenty sixth, I think. All right. So how far of a drive is that for you guys? It's only, nine hours? Yeah, it's only nine or ten hours. That's not terrible. Is that the one in Champaign? No, 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 no. That's the one in uh uh it's, Ohio. It's Malvern, Ohio. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's mm-hmm. about Right on the border of Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's pretty far from here. But that's yeah. what, where Flight Fest does their thing every year. Um, mm-hmm. So how long do you guys stay at that? Like, is that where you go the whole week, or is that a weekend thing? Or I it, I honestly am not familiar with Flight Test or Flight Fest or any of that kind of stuff, because we just have never... <laughs> I mean, we've, we've never done anything with foam, so... Yeah. Yeah. So last year, we drove up on Thursday. I had to get up and go to Matt's place, and then we drove up on Thursday... And then it was Thursday evening, shifting into night as we were there and getting our tent set up and all. So Thursday was wasted, pretty yeah. much. And then Sunday, about mid-morning, midday, we had to be packed up and on the road because of the drive. Mm. Yeah, we both had um, work the next day. Oh, that's when right. you take so Monday my off. Hope is, yeah. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> you know, so you were flying, what, Friday and Saturday then? Uh, Friday and Saturday, and even then, I didn't do a ton of flying, um, because I cracked my Corsair, and um, and yeah. it was raining. It made it hard to kind that of rebuild things. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of well, rain. Hopefully, this year is yeah, better. Okay. Then. Yeah, is this it's, a? It's the way of it. You 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 just know that. Oh well, I guess we're going to be spending time and hanging out and meeting people. Yeah, true. Yeah, Joe, is this a yeah. is this and a the, foam electric only kind of a, an event? It is an electric only. Okay event right yeah so you you can bring foam you can bring well you bring your spad but yeah you could bring some sort of like uh i think they were selling some plastic guys there last year Mm -hmm. or some more fiberglass based guys as long as it's electric Mm -hmm. so arguably ron could and i told ron he could bring one of his out there yeah Mm -hmm. uh just you know know that that any given time there could be as many as a hundred other planes sweet <laughs> Which, by the way, if you haven't seen the videos of it, watch yeah. it. It is just a marvel to see. Hmm. And it's yeah, amazing. Combats that are nuts. It's as much as you want to hit people, because that's the point of it for half the time, you can't hit it's anybody. It's hard. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. There's hundreds of planes in there and <laughs> yeah. you still can't in yeah, it. It's talked. easier to do it on accident yeah, than on I purpose. Think, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Whenever you think, hey, there's no way I'm going to hit that guy. <laughs> that's that's when you go crap. Yeah. You're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so well, sorry. in 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 fairness, why don't we alternate back and forth between the two shows? Like, yeah. Ron, what's what's your number? Moving <laughs> on. Oh, uh, yeah. That's um, well, I have thirty ready to go. Uh, okay. In process, which is me working on stuff. I've uh, I'm at fifteen, and then I'm at seven arfs and kits. So that's my number. Okay. And those range all the way from UMX, you know, like the small ultra micro uh, horizon hobby airplanes, uh, all the way up to 170 cc size yak with 126 inch wingspan. Nice. Yeah, let that sink in. That last one. I imagine that, that yak flies like a dream. <laughs> and that, if I recall right, it's one inch bigger than yours, Tom. Oh, I don't have anything that near no. that big. No, yeah, Tom. No, actually, mine? what's what's your biggest airplane, Tom? Uh, the biggest one I have is that that uh, fifty cc Sbach, and what is that? Maybe eighty two inches. Oh, eighty. It might. I would be think 89. eighty and eighty nine or so. I don't think they're yeah. quite ninety yeah. for fifty cc. And that's yeah. That's well, that's I guess still a that good glider, size airplane. I have that glider. It's pretty big. Is that on your list, by the way? Because you always forget about oh, that glider. Yeah. I don't think it is. Yeah, I, I'm actually trying to find my list. I thought I had it. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's my number then. While Tom is looking for his list because we came so ill prepared, okay. yeah. uh, Matt, what's totally. your what's your number? Uh, okay, okay. So I did a quick count today, and I would say I've got about forty that if I move the power pot over with the receiver and, and hook it up. Um, I should be able to fly them. Nice. Yeah, that's ish. <laughs> some <laughs> now, now some I'll admit they've been there for like um, two years. Yeah. Well, and they may be in more of a questionable. They may have been left in a state of ah, I'll do that next time. Oh, we all have planes <laughs> like that, so I I can't fault yeah. you on that one. Yeah. No, and so that's where I think uh, more of them are left than I expect. And I I I know for a fact I've got a solid ten that I can go, ooh, I want to fly that and just, you know, make sure that the power button, I, I try to make all of mine swappable. So that way I can basically have maybe, you know, four or five power pods, which is basically the motor setup with the ESC and the battery, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then an ESC just, and then I move that and I've got, if I'm smart, I label all, <laughs> all of my <laughs> servo ends so I know which slot they go into and I just plug it in and go, okay, it's the... Tiger Cat. Okay, let me find the Tiger yeah. Cat in my model selection, and then I should be theoretically. Ready the question to is, Matt, were you smart? <laughs> no, most of the time I'm not so okay. that smart. I just wanted to. I want you to go on record. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm smart about certain things. Those. That's not one of them. Um, so let our listeners. Uh, you know, maybe we can all learn from that and go go to your models. And if you don't have a, a label on your servo leads, put put them on put there. Them on there. Uh, if you ever have to pull out your receiver for any reason, you can at least get it back to working with another receiver later. Well, and for That's us, easy. like when when we take models and stuff to the field, uh, we take wings apart. We there's a lot of disassembly that comes with ours. Yeah. Um. Mm, so yeah. you really need to label everything that you uh, have to unplug from the receiver, or else, yeah, it's it's a lot harder to get right. it put back together if you don't know what goes where. Gotcha. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys have noticed if this was something recent that Spectrum has done, 
but like I don't think they fly Spectrum. What's the Spectrum? Yeah, I can't oh. afford Spectrum. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know what the Spectrum okay. is. I'm well, kidding. Anyway, <laughs> so, so for anybody who's listening that might be you know flying yeah. with Spectrum equipment, like, did they change their channel port assignments recently on their receivers? I don't know. I don't know they they've been messing around with it a lot lately. Yeah, um, because they're proprietary and they want to keep their intellectual property, and they're saying this is mine, and people keep copying it, so they make it harder and harder for everybody. It seems so. I, I know a lot of pilots have been griping about Spectrum and the way they've been reconfiguring to keep their product safe. Ah, oh, okay. Oh. I just want something that works. And Me that's, too. Um, that's like, I think honestly, the only reason I'm with Spectrum, and I, I know you guys fly, like, is it Radio Master? Is that one of the ones you have? Yeah. Uh, yeah Radio can, Master, Turnigy, Jumper. Yeah, I've got the Jumper T16. He's got the Radio Master version. Uh, I also, I started out with Radio Link because it has a two and a half mile link and the receivers are stupid small, like the Lemon RC. Mm-hmm. And they're fifteen bucks or twelve bucks. They're they're nothing for a six channel, which is pretty much all I needed. Yeah. Um, and I was like, and it was a hundred and fifteen dollar price point at the time, which was half of what Spectrum wanted for everything they had. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. And at the time, I couldn't afford it. Yeah. So I went within between. Now nobody else uses it at all ever. So I'm kind of on my own with it. <laughs> and I'm like, but their brand is the Pixhawk. Which is incredibly reputable. Everybody loves it. It's like, oh, the Pixhawk is top, top-notch stuff there. Yeah. Um, but their receiver and transmitter people, it's fully functional. I mean, it's to me, it's as functional as uh, the Radio Master. Not maybe not as versatile, and that I can't do multiple protocols. But as far as what you can do in it, it's just as good as any other radio I found. Yeah, and that's I think that's where we, well, at least where I come off as to where I just want. Simple. Yeah. I want simple. I want it to work and I want everything to work together. And I think that's why, you know, the first airplane I bought had Spectrum in it. Um, And I think that's kind of why I stuck (laughs) with that because you just, you know, as you, as you move up, you get better and better and better until you end up wherever you are at this point. Because the first. Tom, what are you, what are you laughing at there? Oh, I'm laughing because I've been in it for such a long time. I've had to, I've had to start over three times. Okay. Yeah. So I started, you know, with, with the, the old uh, AM, you know, 72 megahertz radios. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I made the jump to FM <laughs> slash synthesized uh, 72 megahertz radios. And then I made the jump to spectrum yeah. uh, with the DSS or okay. the spread spectrum technology. Just to paint a picture for you guys right now, he's sitting in his rocking chair with, <laughs> with a little cat on his, uh, on his lap and, and he's all covered up. So I am this is <laughs> Three of those facts are true. Three? I don't Wait, have a cat, cat on my now? lap. You're not in a rocking chair either. Well, I could oh. make it rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I understand it, you're living in Alaska, or at least you might as well be in the basement. It's freaking cold here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I told him the other day we were supposed to record and we had you. to, uh, uh, we postponed it for a day. And it's a good thing because we had turned the air on like normal and I forgot to close the vents down here. And I came down, it was like 55. Yeah, I would have flipped oh, it. It was 92 degrees outside no and like 55 in the basement here. Yeah. It was too cold for me. Yeah. So, yeah, and if it's too cold wonderful. for Ron, 
then like it's, <laughs> it's icicles bad. over here <laughs> sitting in this chair for me. So, yeah. I, uh, okay, so that was for, forty for like this the quickly operational planes, mm-hmm. and then there's like another twenty five that are in various states of. Um, maybe I got inspired and got about to the 80% mark. Maybe it just needs electronics or maybe it's something that I flew and got damaged. And it, it, it could fly again if I spend, you know, the 20, 30 minute to one hour quality time with it to suss out what happened and kind of redo something, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I've got another 20, 25 of those. Uh, I also have maybe six or seven flight test kits that are still in the plastic, haven't been opened, and I've got just as many. I have four uh, commercial purchases that are almost, you know, ARFs, ARFs, Um, the the Piranha, the ASW-5, that little... Super jet, the little now because I'm thinking of it, I can't think of it. Uh, it's a little German uh, EDF, little uh, flying wing kind of deal. And I, I'm trying to think of the one other one. I have something else that I, I purchased. It's kind of oh, a, a, a vapor. Uh, oh, uh, you mean, like what do you mean, vapor? Like a uh, night vapor. Uh, what are those things the called? The little UMX vapors. It's every time, yeah. About? Oh, yeah. Uh, an actual vapors. Oh, in the okay, or e flight, uh, E-flight, yeah. And that's part of why I bought the jumper because I'm like, oh, well, that's Spectrum and this is something else. And I've got a totally different thing over here. Like I'd like to be able to run these little uh, – and then Minimum uh, RC has this Star Voyager thing, which comes with one of those little all-in-one boards kind of deal, which I think runs a DSMX protocol. Yeah, and it just has everything like servos and everything built onto it, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I think this one actually had ports out to the itty-bitty servos, like the two point seven gram servos yeah the linear uh, it's, servo it's tiny but it's yeah. fun mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it's but it's fun it's it just throw it in the air and it kind of hovers right everybody's like are you worried about it hitting a car i'm like it weighs nothing <laughs> like if it it'll do more damage to anything other than i promise you your car will is perfectly safe <laughs> so flying um, in places you shouldn't be flying it sounds like we're talking to reggie on yeah, this one let's just get ready to say <laughs> no, that's that's f- Matt uh, washington if I could tell you the number of times I've said, Matthew, quit flying in your neighborhood. <laughs> That's because he comes over and we only have time to, to like look at a plane, not go out and fly it proper. You fly it down the road. <laughs> right. And then I bring it back and I land it. <laughs> it's the, now, what size are the planes? Very tiny, right? That's true. Joe, I feel your pain, buddy. I mean, t- tiny enough, but if you flew it into my <laughs> car. Talking, I know. We'd be having words. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> anyway, so, so that aside, and then I've got the seven, uh, six or seven uh, balsa kits. I got two Gillows. I've got one Lanes Planes, the Cuda, which I couldn't resist. Um, I know I need I need a little bit more experience uh, flying to be able to fly that the way it's supposed to be flown, um, which is fast and angry. Uh, and what what else? Oh, I've got a Prandtl D. A balsa kit for that. That's pretty advanced. I've got um, the Marabou. I've got plans for it, and I've got all the balsa for it. So I'm going to do that from scratch. And then I've got a Turbinator, and um, it's like a Trainer 40 or something like that. It's like a low-wing trainer plane. That's okay. where I would from, start. From the yeah, olden days. That's the one I would, I would yeah. build next. 
<laughs> that, that and the Terminator, I was told, were the the go-to planes. Like they're, you know, if you have an EDF, yeah, an electric EDF, mm-hmm. like which I do, you should build the Terminator, you'll be happy. Or um, if you you should, you know, or build a low-wing trainer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the trainer I think is a, a good one to get into flying with balsa. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it'll it'll give you a good like trainers are usually pretty easy to build. Um, yeah. They fly. I mean, well, other people have figured out the problems and have designed them out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a good flying airplane, mm-hmm. and you're not going to be out too much time or effort um, in building one of those, I don't think. Okay. Um, of those planes, I would have to say 35 of them. It's the S3 Viking is the molded model I was thinking of. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Um, I would have to say about 30 of those are designs I put together either based on things I saw and wanted to make it to electric foam or was inspired by a different challenge or another. And they probably have a 50% success rate in getting <laughs> to a flying, a good flying model. Uh-huh. Okay. And I say that because it, there's a much user and, you know, half of these were done when I started. I couldn't fly for squat back yeah. then. Yeah. Well, 50% is still a good number. I mean, like, for building something mm-hmm. out of foam and just trying to see how it's going to work and fly and stuff, I mean, that I think that's pretty right. respectable. And, and these are these are planes I, nobody's flown. Yeah. I mean, like, somebody would somebody made a Sam 7, right, Sigma. It's an old World War II kind of concept model plane. It looks like basically a flying wing with a big Mustang front, you know, but it has no tail. So it's a tailless, mm. no rudder, just it's a mess, mm-hmm. right? And no, there's a guy who flew it. He made a fake rudder out of plastic, and he said it was a bear to get balanced and flowing, flying. He's got a video or two, and he says, good luck. So I built one of those, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a flying because submarine, it was a challenge. which nobody's built. It's, an, it's, a, it's literally a napkin sketch. And the Kalanine K-12, which is reported to have flown pretty well, but there's a lot of weird complex stuff going on with the wing and the hanging uh, elevator and aileron surfaces. They're, uh, they're reverse profile wings. So the, they have a they're Clark Y, but upside down for the control surfaces. Hmm. And they have push-out rudders. So, you know, they, they're drag rudders on the wingtips. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And that it's no no tail. So it you know those are like some of the first three I tackled. I'm like oh, easy to fly. I mean no reason. <laughs> easy. Yeah. This should be fun. <laughs> what am I? It's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I mean if you look at the list when you go down look at the list like these are all like concept planes that nobody has any idea how to fly. And I was just curious to see one can I make it look like it's supposed to, yeah. and two can I can I actually get this thing to fly? Um, and I usually get about 50% of the way, which is basically I get it to look the way it's supposed to, and I get it to the point where it's really close to being able to fly, if only I knew more. Hmm. <laughs> and you'll, cir- or you'll circle back to that sometime soon. Um, oh, they're still but there. But the nice yep. thing is, though, if you're talking about 35 of those airplanes, you're at less than 50 bucks. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> no, it's a little bit more than that. Oh, is it, t- is it um, more than one? Okay, so let's even say... They're 30... 30- I was going to say, even if it's four per, you're not out a lot of money on that. So that's pretty awesome. No, no, I'm not out a lot yeah. of money. But, I mean, you know, I have a foamy bird of time. That's, I think, eight or ten sheets of foam board. <laughs> that's – I'm sorry. It's, I, it's a full-scale 12-foot. Uh, yeah, that's amazing to me because I'm I'm doing the math in my head. That's, you know, let's say 12 bucks worth of foam. Or $12. Yeah. Um, and that's like three pieces of four-inch by eighth-inch by 36-inch balsa. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean that there's just that right. much difference in in what you guys actually get to build with. Yeah. So I can understand why you build yeah. so much more than we do. Yeah. Well, Matthew does anyway. Well, the fact that it's cheaper and they can do it quicker too. Yeah. They can, you know, they can right. Really like I out. tested a Prandtl D uh, concept, the the NASA Prandtl D model, which is a concept plane that they had, and I tried to make a replica, and I did, and I I was trying to fly it, and I literally flew it on the worst moment possible, <laughs> and it flew back on me and cracked into the ground and cracked in half, and I was like, ah. Uh. So eventually, I kind of was talking to one of the, he was actually the pilot of the concept plane. And I had an epiphany like an hour before he got, we got on with him. So, uh, the next day I went and, and checked it out and it flies amazing. Hmm. Awesome. Um, and I was able to fly, you know, come up with the idea and have a prototype working within the week. Yeah. That always feels good when something comes together and works the way it's supposed to. Yeah. It's so. awesome. Yeah. All right. So I'll stop. So that's my number somewhere on 75. Tom? Uh, all right, Tom. It's not it's not near as impressive as that. Um, I think my total numbers. I'm just going to round and say it's 50 total. Um, now these are you know 95 percent of these are balsa planes, so figure the investment. You know that's about the same, maybe maybe not quite the same as 75 total airplanes. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I've got about 24 <laughs> of them that I can that I could take uh, charge a battery and go fly right now. Uh, six are in the various stages of build uh, or repair. And then I've got 16, uh, roughly 16 in the queue that I'm going to build eventually. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's got to feel nice. <laughs> so I'm a, so Ron's called me out, you know, several times. He's called me a hoarder, which really hurt my feelings. But anyway. It's a good um, hoarding. I said that before. <laughs> like, that's supposed to be a compliment. But I, I figure, you know, some someday I'm going to retire. Like, hopefully someday, you know, in the next 10 years or less, I'm going to retire. And then I don't want to be bored, right? And I love airplanes. So uh, it's not that I've been stockpiling. But when I find a a, a decent deal on a, on a kit that maybe I that I had way back in the day or, or a kit that uh, interests me or whatever, I pick it up and I, I stash it in the basement. So, yeah, I've got, I've got a small stash of that, 16, <laughs> if you think 16 is a small stash. But, you know, if you're picking them up at good deals, it's not, a, it's not hoarding as much as investing for the future. Well, that's, that's the way I – you offload them. Yeah, it, Joe, that's the way I look at it. I mean – like I said, I don't want to be bored in my retirement, and I love to build. I love to build. I love to tinker. Uh, I've always been a tactile learner, right? So um, flying around on a simulator in retirement is not something I want to do. I want to build and, and tinker. So I have uh, I have things in the queue to, to satisfy that, uh, that itch when I retire. And they're not getting cheaper. Mm-hmm. No, so. and that's the, that's the other thing is like even if I decided no. not to build these – and they're in my estate when I die. You know, the wife, if she... Uh, if they're she, coming to me. If she wants to sell them, <laughs> uh, I've instructed her on how to find the correct pricing for these things, and she will price them accordingly and sell them. How did you... I'm, mm-hmm. Hold on, I'm curious on that one. How did? What did you tell her? Well, I, I showed her how I find the prices. Oh, okay. So that's what I told well, her. Well, that's timeless. So that's good because things will change, exactly. you know, when that time comes to... 
push up some daisies on on your end and <laughs> get rid of your airplane. Yeah. Ooh, we took a turn to the weirdest, but that's okay. So. Yeah, man. <laughs> Tom, Tom, I hope you have many a year uh, of happy Thanks, flying Joe. left ahead of you, bud. Well, I, appreciate I do that. too. No, I think you want me to die so you can get all my airplanes. Like gangbusters. That's what it sounded yeah, like. Yeah, I know to me. Ron's over here just trying to get a hold of your <laughs> state and shove you out. You don't. Early, you don't have a. I, I truly want the best for you, <laughs> <laughs> and Tom. Listening to what uh, some people tell me when they go to estate sales, you with a sixteen box queue is you are in great shape. Yeah, yeah. I I promise you, compared to the things I've heard, they're like, oh, this guy had like fifty untouched, right. completely sealed boxes. Yeah, yeah. Let alone the ones he opened yeah. up. And like, you know, sixteen. You know, that's you know, depending on who you talk to, that's not a huge number, but. You know, I've passed up a lot of airplanes that I could have bought too that I didn't because either they didn't interest me. I mean, I don't buy them just to buy them. Yeah. Like I buy them. You're either, discerning. Yeah. I buy them either because I like that one. Well, because I like that one. I mean, I like it enough <laughs> to want to build it someday, mm -hmm. not to try to, you know, save this and then try to turn a profit and flip it, you know, the next week yeah. or whatever. You're not That's a not dealer. what I do. Yeah. So. You're a hoarder, yeah. a collector. And I'm into biplanes. I mean, a, a fair amount of those 16 are biplanes, actually. Yeah, so, um, such a, okay. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. well, they're pretty. It's twice the wing for the buck. Exactly. See? But Joe gets it. But they're so more, I mean, there's just that much more to deal with. You got to do twice as much to for, install it. You got you to keep two or two wings. For a guy like me, that makes me twice as happy. Well, that's all. I mean, Yeah, it's, I was going to say, when... it's. When hooking up each wing and each wire, each connection brings him happiness, that's, that's way more happiness. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, he sounds all innocent and happy about doing stuff on the podcast, but I've been there <laughs> when he's got to hook stuff up and things aren't quite going right and the motor's not running right. And That's true. Yeah. I mean... Fraggle, fraggle, rip, 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 yeah. rip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like Tom's a man after my hey, own listen, heart. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that it's all you know, sunshine and roses. I mean, there are, there are days that, uh, right. yeah, that I just want to take that you trash can, telemaster, and put it right back in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> How many motors did y'all go through on that oh, thing? I think the one we finally settled on was number four. Number four. Yeah. yeah. So. And we went gas, so I'm happy and, on that yeah, one. Yeah, that's and where I wanted to end up. It runs and flies great now. So much dedication. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. We're tenacious. We are. <laughs> that's we're for not sure. smart and enough to give it up. Impresses <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, we're not smart enough to know when to give up, so we just keep pushing. Yeah, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So uh, what's next? You guys have a history segment you usually do, right? So history, um, when we, when we initially talked about doing this crossover episode, uh, well, a long time ago, but as it became more of a thing, I said, well, we do a flight history segment. Do you mind if we do it? And you're like, yeah, that's fine. As long as we get picked apart. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. you didn't tell me that part. <laughs> Yeah, they got to, they got to pick the plane. I don't think I said it that way. So then way. are they doing this one? Because they should know more about this plane after the research they must have done to get to the model they're doing. Well, you but just gave it away. Yeah. Well, to our listeners anyway. No, you guys do a lot of models. Well, we gave it away to us. It was going to be a surprise, we, even though we told you what to do it on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, Ron, Tom, I'm doing the Ford Tri-Motor today. That's what? a great no idea. You are no, so smart. I don't smart. know anything about that airplane. You know, you guys talked about it a lot, and I wanted to know more about the history. I'm so glad that Joe has gone in, and saved our butts with that. Me too. Joe, mm-hmm. what do you got, buddy? Yeah. We're going to see how much I got. <laughs> <laughs> the Ford Tri-Motor... Uh, called the tri-motor but its nickname is the tin goose uh now why why he was given that name i don't know but first flight was in uh june of 1926 uh it was manufactured by stout metal airplane division uh at the time then of the ford motor company i say at the time because the stout metal airplane uh company was bought out by ford but years before, uh, William Bushnell Stout, I believe is who started the company, uh, he sent out a letter to a number of investors or a number of leading manufacturers asking them to invest in, I guess, his company, what would become uh, Stout Metal, uh, the Stout Metal Company, uh, asking them for a $1,000 investment. And with that letter made the statement, for your $1,000, you will get one definite promise. You will never get your money back. <laughs> um, yes. you know, but as I understand, it was because the, he knew, look, you're never going to get your money back from this investment, but we're going to do some really cool things, and you're going to be a part of that. Um, and so they went on to, to make up some designs um, and then came along with what would eventually become the Ford Tri-Motor. Uh, the, the tri-motor is an all-metal construction. The exterior skin is corrugated aluminum, so it's very lightweight, but that corrugation gives it a lot of strength. Uh, that said, uh, as you guys go to do yours, know that the corrugation, uh, causes a lot of increased drag. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have a reduction in performance from what you'd necessarily expect. I've got a question before you, if you don't mind me pausing here. What direction is the corrugation going? Front to back. Yeah. yeah. It's running with the it's air. It's with the airstream. Yeah. So so it it's like a train car. Yeah. Yes. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, but but even, so it's definitely better than if it was going uh cross. <laughs> There's some oh, turbulence for you. <laughs> no, actually, you know what? It'd, it'd be like a KMF thing where there'd be like air pockets that kind of essentially create the air for a regular yeah. airflow shape. Okay, I'd be curious to see that in a smoke uh, smoke tunnel. Well, you guys do it and let us know how it turns out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Like that. Well, you watch it. Careful now. Now I do still have some of that old sign material you gave me when we first got started. You remember? Hmm. I mean, I could peel one layer off of that and might be able to do something with it. Yeah, it's not the same. We'll we'll get a crinkler. It'll be great. <laughs> okay. We'll three D uh, print a crinkling thing. You got the crane. You got the 3D printer. That's it. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So even though it's not perpendicular to the to the airflow, uh, it's that much more surface area. So um, added strength, but reduced mm-hmm. performance. Um, an interesting bit about the design of the wings and the fuselage: they followed very closely the Junkers designs. Yes, yeah, the Ju fifty two. Yeah. Uh, I don't have that one in the list that I was looking at, but the J.I., the Junkers F-14, Junkers K-16, and Junkers 
G24 were the ones that were mentioned in what I was reading. Okay. Um, Junkers ended up suing Ford Company. Uh, this was after Ford bought uh, the Stout Metal Company and became Stout Metal Airplane Division. Junkers sued Ford when Ford attempted to export the tri-motor to Europe uh, and won the case um, due to how closely the tri-motor followed Junker designs. Um, and Ford actually tried to counter-sue in the 1930s um, in Prague, uh, but also lost that case. So, um, let's see. Designed primarily for passenger use, it could carry 11 passengers and three crewmen. Um, and I didn't know this until I didn't see it in any of the materials, but I was watching a video on the tri-motor. A uh, guy had it in his, I guess, personal collection museum. Uh, there's a, there's a toilet in the back of the plane. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. See. Yeah. Yep. So this became sort of the first real uh, commercial person person airline, Yeah. Yeah. Person. Yeah. Airline. There we go. Um, Matt's laughing at I can't find the word. I guess <laughs> happens no. to me all I'm the time. La- I'm laughing at it's. You know, if you're going to lighten the load somewhere, <laughs> the tail of the plane is the best place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're carrying the load back there first. And then you... I, yeah. I know. Look, the sensibility of it doesn't really carry through. But I'm just saying, my mind yeah. went there. I hear you. <laughs> I'll be honest. As, as I have... Oh, all right. Go ahead, Joe. Sorry. That's a really neat little fact. Is that one of the first ones to have uh, a bathroom in the plane? I'm not sure, but I would have to assume that it is. Uh, largely because this was the first of its type to be used in this manner. Um, I'm not sure that there were a bunch of like too many other airline-type planes, and I know that this sort of set the tone for future airline, yeah. uh, future airline planes. So, no, I don't imagine any others had a toilet in the back up to this point. Okay, so it was a Pioneer. Mm-hmm. Potentially, yeah. Um, it uh, it would see it would sit eleven passengers. It utilized some of the uh, the, so the, the tri-motor has a very thick cord, mm-hmm. and so they mm-hmm. use that aspect to actually make in-the-wing baggage storage for passengers. And that's where some of the luggage would go, is In the inside wing. the okay. wing. Huh. Oh, mm-hmm. good place for it. Smart, too, because yep. it doesn't open up those change cubbies your CG, CG too much. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Right. You store all the bags. Put it right on the, yeah, right that's on right. the CG. That's awesome. Honestly, that mm-hmm. that thick Hershey bar thing reminds me of the Taylor Aero car. That thing's just a monster of a you know aspect ratios. The tri motor is just so ugly. It's beautiful. See, I, I mean, that's <laughs> see, I don't think it's ugly at all. Really? Like, I think it's beautiful. Like, I there's nothing, in my opinion, there's nothing ugly about it. I think the the Ju the the Junkers or Junkers uh, that uh, Ford may or may not have. Uh, <laughs> May actually or may not, not Ford, but yeah. may or may not have uh, copied from was actually a lowing, and I actually yeah. I think that airplane is ugly. Yeah, but the tri motor well, having the uh, having the 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 wing up high on the shoulder like that, I think it's beautiful. I like I said, I like the airplane a lot. I think you it's beautiful, it ugly, but I think it's so beautiful. Well, uh, maybe lumbersome. Does lumbersome sound better? No, it just I looked, think it's that's a that's a better. Yeah, See, I, sure. I, I just I don't know. I think it's gorgeous. It kind of looks like. 
like a like a balding man with a furrowing brow. Maybe that's why um, Tom like likes a determined it so look, much. But balding, it looks like a <laughs> like a he's furrowed brow. It's like he's looking in the mirror, or a determined look, like a I'm getting there. Wow, I can do this. I can. Well, you yeah. you can't see the picture that Matthew shared me, but now that I'm looking at it, yes. I'm sorry, it's look. It's got great cockpit visibility because it's got um, a glass ceiling over where the cockpit is, mm-hmm. and you know it's got the thin little we'll call eye eye slits you know what i mean yeah no i, I know what and you're talking just, about because it, it, the the glass comes out it's a an odd shaped yeah. cockpit glass yeah i can it's, it's again there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of character that i could see where you'd fall in love yeah. with the plane which is i'm looking at certain parts of it i'm like now the junkers did they have the cowl around the the pistons some of them and for okay. the trimotor did those too. looked weird yeah, so some of the versions, not not to take away from Joe's history, because uh, he's probably oh, go got he's it, probably man. got this, but uh, some of the later versions of the trimotor, like the five AT and the ones that they put the the higher horsepower engines on, they had cowls around them, and then and the JU fifty two did sort of the same thing. Yeah, okay. but cowlings were were you know new at the time. You know, mm-hmm. people were you know you still had to cool these engines; they were air cooled, so. Wrapping a cowl around them wasn't uh, wasn't an efficient way to keep them cool. You know that it took them quite a few years to develop the baffling and all that kind of stuff that you had to put inside the cowls to take advantage of the reduced aerodynamic drag that they gave you. But anyway. to get the air moving right. where you yeah. wanted it, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just putting a cowl around it isn't going to get the air moving per se. Right. Uh, right. You have to do something, some fun things with it. But boy, when you do, it works. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's just a it's just a beautiful airplane. You know, the engines hanging out there in the air. You can see, you know, you can see all the cylinders, and yeah, I don't think there's anything unattractive about it, Ron. Okay, I'm maybe I used the wrong <laughs> word. Let's move on. Yeah, Ron. No, Let's it's move fine. on. I, I think lumbersome sounds. I think that's a good descriptor because it's. It's like a heavy lifter of a plane. It's got broad shoulders. It'll get it done. Yeah, it's not but, like a sleek, beautiful type airplane no. that well, you no. know you would consider like I can like a fighter. Well, not even yeah. that, but even like a like oh, a come on. I mean, fighters. Yeah, they're fighters. very sleek, very fast. But like, I don't there's know, nothing sexier than like a Fock Wolf 190. Like no, that those, is a those, sleek. Those don't do anything for me. Gr- or like, a Spitfire. Or a Spitfire. Yeah, Spitfires, <laughs> Spitfires are also are okay. gorgeous. Spitfire yeah. does it for me. Yeah. Hubba, um, hubba. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a different kind of airplane, and it's a different kind of gorgeous. It's a, you're Sorry. okay. It's a different kind of beautiful. I got you. Yeah. You're right. I I agree. There we go. Sorry, Joe. We cut you off. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> this is how we do it in our show too. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, definitely sometimes. So no, and. Raw, uh, Tom, you're perfectly fine to have gone over variants because I hadn't gotten the variants in my notes. Oh. So I hadn't typed all that up. Um, I've got a little more that I can go over, and then I've kind of reached the end of notes I'd take. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of information out there, surprisingly. They're- it's a little hard to come by outside the Wikipedia page. Um, but yeah. Um, this, where I- was I? Yeah, you were are, with. Are, are you about to interrupt me again? <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I was just trying to help you get to where you were. I see. I see some of your notes, and I was just saying it's okay that it's designed for the eleven passengers. I, I got it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, 
So it was, it was designed for, for that. Could carry 11 passengers, uh, three crew, but it could be easily adapted for hauling cargo. I think it got used as a mail carrier plane mm-hmm. at some point. Um, and I also know it was used in some of the, the armed forces. Um, as the name suggests, it had three motors. Uh, now I didn't see this in the Wikipedia page. I was watching that museum guy, uh, talk about it. But I think you're probably talking about Kermit the, Weeks. Uh, might have. He did a full tour of it. There's a couple the others thing. too. Is there a couple others? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. EAA actually does a, uh, they got a page on their, might have. on their website. Anyway. Um, sorry about that. That's Tom. okay. It, no, was a cutout. no, go ahead. Um, so even though it had three motors, I thought it was interesting. Uh, it could run just fine without the center motor. Mm-hmm. But if one of the side motors went out, it was a lot more problematic. Yeah. Um, and I guess that has to do maybe with where the power position was positioned mm-hmm. or how much rudder in, input was necessary to overcome the, uh, the, the differential thrust. Right. I don't know. Um, that was just something that was discussed. The, Apparently, it's really bad on the adverse y'all, mm-hmm. and that might be due to the corrugation. I don't know. Uh, or just big control surfaces. So as you guys go to, to make y'alls, just be aware. You go to go into a turn, adverse y'all is going to be a big problem with that one. Right on. If it had uh, a prandled wing, it wouldn't have that problem. Yeah, well, this kind of predates Prandle a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Now, technically, yeah, by about two years. Go ahead. Really was Prandtl that old? <laughs> his design, his his concept, and the the four page paper that he wrote all the findings up on was in I think either nineteen twenty or nineteen thirty one. Okay, it was early. The a couple of little tidbits I got the the control the control mechanisms are largely outside the plane. Yes, it's beautiful. Um, it is weird. I love it, but I but I dig it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're gonna to try to replicate do do. that on ours. What do you wait? What do you mean? Do you do you mean that basically uh, all the stick controls run to pulleys outside the plane? Yep. There's rock, say there's rocker arms outside the plane. Yep. That's it. Those so, and then the wires run yeah, outside if, too. If you're so. looking at that, yeah. If you look at that picture you sent me, yeah, the, below you, the little you see oval. that you uh, b- below that you see that like T-shaped thing coming out. Yeah, the black oval. Yeah. I yeah, well, not the black oval, but that T-shaped thing, that's what's reaching. It's got cables that run back and are engaging control surfaces. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a bell crank. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so all the awesome. all the wires are on the outside of the airplane. Yeah, so when yeah. you're flying, you can actually see them working moving. and moving. Yeah, yeah it's, it's awesome. Pretty, it's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. And all the instruments on there, and I, I think you guys know this, but all the instruments in a cockpit are only reading the center motor. That's exactly right. Uh, RPM oil pressure, oil temperature, all that for the external motors. You got to look out the windows <laughs> at the motors, at the actual motors, at they the have motors stuff on them. Yeah. Yeah. They have all yeah. the gauges mounted on the pods outside. Yeah. So you have to have really good vision to fly the Ford driver. No doubt. <laughs> you think they would have made those oh, no. bigger. <laughs> now they, the guy was saying it was a really good plane to fly. Yeah. Um, you know, gentle in its own right. But, uh, Apparently, it was also a guy that was doing an acrobatic routine with him years ago. Can't imagine that, um, but yeah. And I wish I could remember the name of the organization, but there is one that goes around and does flying tours. EAA. The Experimental Aircraft Association has one. 
It is actually going to be in Springfield uh, this weekend. Yep. Well, where, where are you? Why aren't you going there? We are. Oh, we're going. We're gonna. Yeah, okay. yeah we're gonna try to go out to the airport and at least get uh, pictures of it and stuff. Yep. No, you, yeah. So try last to get time, a ride in it. Well, right. last time it came was about four or five years ago. I don't remember exactly when it was. And yeah, I went up. Uh, they were given rides and stuff, and I went and flew in it with my wife and uh, oh, only nice. kid at that time. Yeah. And it made them sick. <laughs> so they don't want to do it again. But here's okay. So if you have a chance to go up in it, um, when that plane comes around, I don't remember how much it was. It, it doesn't matter. But there's one seat where you can pay extra to ride in the cockpit. Now, when I went up <laughs> on the flight with it, I decided not to do it because I wanted to sit back with my family. Which the way the the seats are on that is it's a single seat on each side. So there's an aisle in the middle and then a single seat on each side. So you're not sitting next to anybody. Um, but anyway, so you could pay extra to ride in the cockpit. I wish I would have because the guy that did it didn't really say anything until he got out. When we were all getting off, he actually got to fly the airplane. So oh, how wow. cool would that have been? For, yeah. It was like an extra oh, 50 man. bucks is all. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's that, awesome. that would have been sweet. Yeah. That would have been sweet. But that's So that's one of the reasons, by the way, that like – the tri-motor has a, a special place in my heart, and I know Tom likes it too, but I've growing up, I was a Ford guy. Like, I don't know why. I don't know why that's kind of, you know, people pick I their things. I was too, don't worry. <laughs> I know, it's like I'm justifying myself, right? <laughs> but anyway, so I was a Ford guy. Um, and so Ford and airplanes is cool because, yeah, you know. it's Ford. It's Ford and airplanes. Um, and then we actually went up to the, the Henry Ford Museum up in Dearborn. And they have one of these on display there, too. And that actually was, like, within a week of when I was flying out. I think we went, like, up there a week beforehand. Uh, and I knew I was going to get to fly it on it the next weekend when I was here in town. So learning about it and then flying on it, it just, like, that has stuck out to me. And that's why we were building the model of it. Um, kind of to push ourselves on doing something big that we've never done before mm -hmm. and see how much we can screw this up. <laughs> well, it's a. I mean, Joe mentioned it in you know in his research. It's a it's a docile, you know, easy to fly um, airplane. Yeah. And in model form, if we can build it light enough, I feel like <laughs> I feel like we're gonna have a real a real winner. I yeah. Mean, because I think so too. If we can get it light enough, um, and we can you know make it look like uh, as as close as we can and keep the scale outline, I think I think it's gonna really really get a lot of attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Which, gonna sound mm -hmm. awesome. It's gonna sound great. It's gonna look awesome. We're gonna, you know, hopefully replicate the the corrugation uh, as close as we can anyway. And so I, I, yeah, it's I, I think it's just gonna be a real sweet art. Someday. Well are those three motors the same size? So are you asking me or Joe? I'm asking anybody who can answer. <laughs> Joe, go ahead. I I feel like yes. But I could be wrong. So you are correct. Uh, on some versions, uh, they had three identical engines, uh, but on uh, some of the later versions, the center engine was a different spec than the than the two out on the wing. Okay, more horsepower okay. in the center. Usually. So yes and no. It makes sense. Yeah. No, Joe's Joe's yeah. correct. Yeah, some versions had had three identical engines. So a four cell running a higher pitch prop in the center. <laughs> two three cells on the outside. Yeah, there you go. Same diameter. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I see where you're going with Not that. Not that I'm thinking about building one or designing it. I think you but should. But you're totally I think you thinking should. about building one. 
I think we the should question do... Is, should I design it to be the same size as you guys are building? I was just going to say that. You should do the same size we are. Wow. Because I've got those two motors that electric, are the pancake though? ones that spin 15 inches, right? If he's those are about foam, the right size to scale, aren't they? Yeah, I don't remember what size propellers I think we, like. I think we uh, the math we did worked out to where it was perfect for those YS120s, which which turns 15 to 16-inch props. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So if I did the electric version and found a, a good equivalent for the center pod, uh, we, I'm, we might be in business quicker than... Oh, you, oh, you definitely absolutely. will. <laughs> you have ready no, access I mean, to not, not quicker than you. I'm, I'm just thinking it, we may have like the... Um, the motor equipment oh. and the actual like components to be able to actually start, you know, really putting it. Like if we start putting it together, you know, we we start can start actually getting the motors in there. That would like, be awesome. There's um that would be there's awesome. a couple uh, STL files that make really great, you know, nine piston radial engine, you know, dummies. Yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dummies. Um, and they 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 got the motor set so that you just mount it in there and it looks amazing. That would be cool. So, yeah. Printing out three of those would not be – it'd be worth the four days of printing or whatever it does. Yeah, yeah that's what we'll end up doing too is kind yeah. of making some dummy radials to go on it. But, uh, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. you should build one too. I think that would be fun. That would be fun. You'll be done before we are. Oh, for sure. Ooh, what's a race? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, that might – maybe that'll speed us along. I don't know. Maybe that'll motivate us. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What's your wingspan so I can get it one inch Twelve feet. bigger? Yeah, 140 – actually, I think it ends up being just over that, like 146 Oh man, 146 yeah, is huge. a little bit tall for a foam board build. That's huge. Might be. Yeah, so I fly at a 40 acre field. And so this is not unreasonable for that field. No. No, heavens no. 40 acres would accommodate this yeah. easily. Yeah, no problem. So, well, no faster than it flies either. Yeah, it's a slow flight yeah, it's plane. Not, yeah, so. it's not going to be a. It's going to be like a lumbersome big telemaster. I mean, that's kind of how I'm likening it. That's, how it's going to fly. That's how I envision it all. But it's going to sound awesome. Okay. Awesomer yeah. than a telemaster. Yeah. Be, be, better go for like 150 inches on the low end just to be sure you make it, man. Just make, yeah, sure, just you make, make it, sure he doesn't <laughs> make it bigger than us. And bring it down to that's right. 48. There you go. <laughs> yep. That's right. I like where you're going with that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, man. Uh, uh, I hear you. I like but, yeah, it. so that's um, the tri motor, and that's why why we yeah awesome. are trying to build one. That was a great that was a great history lesson, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't done. Oh, oh hey, Joe, do you have any other? <laughs> let us. Yeah, do you have any other tidbits that uh, that we need to talk about, Joe? What else you got, buddy? <laughs> You're good. No, we just we sidetracked so much. <laughs> Sorry. No, there was there's one more thing. I one more thing only because. Uh, I found it interesting, the braking system, and then and then I'll I'll end the segment. Um, it it's a pull stick brake, but it goes it's like back to the left, back to the right, or back to any varying degrees. And when you pull, so where we might think accustomed to brakes in the rudders, this mm -hmm. brake was a, a big handle, almost like a gear shift, like your manual drive. Um, and so it was really only good for taxing, but they utilize a dual master cylinder system at the bottom of the stick. And so as you pulled it back into one direction, it would engage one side of one master cylinder more than the other. And that was, that's what gave you your differential braking oh, on this. I did so not like know a rocker that. to the to master cylinders. And depending on where the stick was, the bottom end of the stick, it would, it would pull yeah, either it, or. 
Right. In different amounts. Yeah. Proportional um, too. And yeah. Right. And so what, what was actually, if, if say you were the, uh, say you were sitting in the left hand seat, it was really easy to break, uh, say back into the left because I was pulling it back and towards you. Mm-hmm. But if you were having a break and get to the right, if you were in charge, you'd you'd hand it off to the person that was sitting beside you. Say, "Hey, break for me in this direction," because <laughs> you couldn't pull, you couldn't easily pull it away from you. Huh. Breaking, you'd have to hand it off to your co-pilot to break in that direction while you continue to do other things. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. I did not know that. Tom's face lit see? up. It really did. Yeah, that's that. That's fascinating. I can see his wheels turning in his head, like right now, going, <laughs> "How am I going to model that in the model?" <laughs> <laughs> well then I'm glad I went ahead and, and got that last yeah. little tidbit in. Me too. That's awesome. Um, yeah, like in my head guys, I'm trying to figure out the, the linkage involved to get the to get the yoke to move in that direction. That's freaking I, awesome. I imagine it it's similar to like uh like of the flying wing mechanisms where it's a <clears throat> elevator. Wait, is that right? Elevon? Yeah. Where you you know you have both controls, so there's a general rocker and then there's also the the aileron left and right controls. So, you know, if you're pulling back on the elevator, the whole mechanism moves forward and backwards and yeah, they can still go side to side. So mm-hmm. I mentioned something similar to that, yeah. but for breaking cylinders. Very well. cool. I dig <laughs> it. Well, there we go. So yes, <laughs> that's our project coming up and that should also be yours. It sounds like they're, he's, uh, he's really considering it. So yeah. I like that. I'll have plans next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Twelve feet plus, right? There you go. Hey, by the way, if you if you look at my page, you'll see the thirty-five designs. All of them have plans that I've made. Nice. That, that, okay. That's my build process. I, I think it up, I draw it up, I print it, and then I do the the beta build, make tweaks, then I release them, or the alpha build, and then I then I release them as a beta. <laughs> I, will I just check want people to build stuff and have fun. Well, that's part of the that's hobby. Really, that's, what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, flying. I mean, you guys, you know, you mentioned, you know, that that uh, your mission statement is to to keep people flying, or or what was it exactly? <laughs> uh, let me pull up the website and I'll let you know. No, no, sure. no. Let's just go back to the footage <laughs> I said, and we'll call it that. <laughs> <laughs> it was so eloquently worded. It was. Helping you through the hurdles of the RC aviation hobby. Yeah. And, and I feel like like our mission statement is it would be kind of similar. Only we, we have a mission statement, okay? Well, I mean, if we had one, oh, it would be it would be similar because we want to, you know, we want people to get into the hobby and stay in the hobby because if they don't, there would be no hobby, right? Yeah. So and I'm and, sick of everything closing down and not having tools made like we used to have and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Hey, so. speaking of tools, did oh. you want to talk about our tool of the week? That's right. You guys requested that we bring back Tool of the Week. Um, we did. Can, can I request you put in the sound bit? It's time for RC Plane Labs Tool of the Week. We tried. Like, it's very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> what so, do you mean we tried? Well, okay. So well, we, we came up with one, but it's yeah, very boring. So don't, yeah. like, get excited or anything. So here's the problem with Tool of the Week. We thought that was something we could kind of bring in and talk about a lot of these different tools that we like to use and all that stuff. Apparently, we don't use a lot of different tools, come to find out. Come to find out, yeah. But a lot of them you can't (laughs) get anymore. So we don't want to talk like, hey, these are tools we have. You can't get them. Ha, ha, ha. 
And well, we don't want okay. it to come off that yeah, way. Yeah, we didn't want it to come off like that. So it it seems like I've looked up some of the balsa tooling mm-hmm. just because, again, I'm, I'm looking at like, okay, what will I need? Um, and I've noticed that you can 3D print a good portion. Now, I don't know if they're worth printing. Some of them are. But I wonder how many of the tools that were from yesterday, you know, from yesteryears, yeah. uh, have been basically people said, okay, we still need this. We just... Nobody wants to make it anymore because it's, you know. Well, the quantity is not there to make it worthwhile. Right. Right. But we can 3D print one because if you're doing that kind of thing, boy, is that tool helpful. Yes. Yeah. And I'm wondering how many of those are out there in that method, in which case you can still talk about it and just say, hey, because it's not something everybody needs all the time anymore, because not as many people build balls, so most of them just ARF. Fair statement. This this tool you can print out on 3 Yeah. That's great. True. And that, I mean, that would be a good way to look into it too, but there's right. a lot of people that don't have 3D printers and that kind of stuff too, right. which is right. unfortunate. That brings in no, a whole another yeah. hobby of, of, you know, what yeah. a lot of us like right. to make yeah. tools for another hobby. And it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah. anyway so, so today's tool. What's the tool this week? So it's a tool that, that every hobbyist has used at one point or another and probably has ready access to right now. Whether it's foam, balsa, foam and balsa, <laughs> really? like foam covered balsa. What, what, what about corrugated cardstock? Corrugated, yeah, yeah, there you corrugated go. Cardboard, cardboard with with not, balsa. Not but the, the assignment material. What is that? Uh, I I know what we call it in our industry, but that's proprietary to us, so I don't want to say it. But you're talking oh, about. Okay. Uh, uh, I know, like the fluted type material. That's it. Yeah. What? Spad. The plastic. No. Yeah, it's bad. The stuff that's bad made plastic. Out of. Yeah, yeah there's a about. anyway. Yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of. Uh oh yes, gosh. you can use this tool on that XPS. also. Yeah. Um yeah. give it away, Tom. Well, it's the exacto knife. The exact so boring. But it's yeah. It's boring, the, <laughs> yes. But I mean well, without what, it, no. without that one tool, man, could you imagine how difficult this hobby would be? You could not cut. Hardly anything without it. Well, I mean, try to, you know, like what? Like what are the alternatives? Like a box knife, well, a razor that, blades, or you know, and straight edge razor blade. I mean, they don't always so quite the old yeah. trusty sawzall or that. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> right. <laughs> so without this tool, I like I can't believe we've not. Yeah, we actually have not done that before. Done that one before. Yeah, maybe that means it's such such low hanging fruit that we probably just didn't tool. even think about it. But you know what? It's a. I think it's appropriate that this episode is when that when that tool made its life. I agree. So thank yeah. you guys. Me yeah. too. I agree. Perfection. Well, what? So what's a feature that makes the Exacto knife better than the other ones? It cuts. Well, <laughs> so for starters, I mean, you can put, you know, you can replace the blade easily. And right? cheaply. The blades are relatively inexpensive. They're mm-hmm. small enough to be useful for our hobby. Like, they're not so large and cumbersome that they're difficult to use. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, the list goes on. Ron? I mean, yeah, you can cut things <laughs> with them. Um, I was they thinking they, sharp. they come in a, a form factor that is is good to get to detailed See, work. See, there you go. Yeah. The number 11 exacto blades, we, I mean, like I buy them 120 at a time on Amazon. Yeah, buy them in bulk. Yeah, and they're, they're really cheap. Yeah. Yep. Have you worked with any of the other shapes? I have. Yeah. Somewhat. So like, like the number 10 blade, you know, the, the scalpel blade, and then they actually, for a long time, 
In fact, you, you might even st still be able to get them from Exacto. But they actually made a serrated saw blade that fit in the number mm -hmm. 11 handle. It's I've, awesome. I've got one. I mean, yeah. perfect little thing for making like the the notches or the holes in the in the side of a fuselage for your switch. Perfect mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I, they 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 make a lot of different blades, and I've used a majority of them. And there's other another. companies also that make sure. blades that you can get to put in for hinge cutting. Yeah. Uh, for slot cutting, you That's know, right. for that kind of stuff. Exactly. But when when I like I said, it's the number eleven blade is what I buy in the hundred fold. Yes. Just because you yeah. go through them quickly. I don't know how long they last, like for cutting foam, because um, I don't do a lot of that. But I know like covering an airplane monocoat really tears them up. Two to four sheets of foam board. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But the paper's um, not cut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. probably the same I, thing I that we go through them more. with monocoat. It's the same just yeah. kind. And it's not like it, it would still be a good knife to use generally for other things. Oh, sure. But it's just mm -hmm. not sharp enough for what we need to use it for. Right. And the handle, right. like, you know, you can you can get the, the, the handle in lots of different flavors. You can get aluminum <laughs> ones. You can get plastic ones, and the ones I really like are the aluminum ones. Sour patch ones, exactly. Right, vanilla. Yeah, right. The serrated one, or not serrated, but the knurled ones that that have yeah. you know, for the grip. Mm -hmm. Those are my favorite. Did we yeah. really just spend like five minutes talking about an exacto knife? Who knew? Heck yeah. Who knew that they were so interesting? Uh, nobody <laughs> still does, by the way. Nobody actually thinks they're interesting. All five Here's... of our listeners have God. now stopped listening. Cumulative <laughs> oh. between the two the, between the two separate podcasts. <laughs> five. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we nice. double our listenership now just because of his parents. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, well, one of the things I notice is I've seen people who I'm like, "Hey, do you have a?" Because I'm I'm like, "Hey, let's." Build a plane together. Do you have an exacto set? And they pull out this this like box. Oh, the and I'm wood expecting box, them yeah. to just have the aluminum like stick. Yeah, and yeah. they just show they have a blade in it, which is what we have. But they pull out this whole set, and there's like three different style handles, different mm -hmm. diameters. Yeah, and there's a there's a myriad of like twenty different blades. Yeah, with different curves. And usually and you buy them at like the like, dollar store, and that's where they belong. I agree, well, but I was surprised when they pulled out this whole set. And I'm like, "What do you even use all those for?" Yeah, <laughs> why? What is that about? I'm the same way. Like, I have a couple of those. They're in that little like mine are in blue plastic cases oh. um, that don't ever stay shut because they're just so <laughs> cheaply molded. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like two or three different size handles. Mm -hmm. They have the fat ones. They have the skinny ones. They're a little mm -hmm. bit longer and stuff. And yeah. No, there's nothing as good, in my opinion, as just a single, normal, exacto blade on a normal exacto right. handle. Yeah. I like the large handles uh, because you can also I can also use those handles to, for my uh, razor saw um, blades. They go in there and I can lock them down. I can use that handle with those blades. Oh, I don't have that. Yeah. Like my and razor those are also saw good for normal. the chisel blades. Like if you're if you're carving out wood blocks, the fatter handle uh, is easier on your hand. I can see that. Yeah. So there you go. But you should use a razor plane instead of a chisel. Well, not if you're hollowing out the inside of a block. Oh, that wouldn't work with a razor plane. No, so, yeah. not okay. at all. So there you go. All right. Here's an idea for your next uh, tool of the week. Do you have one of those three, two, one square blocks for machining? Yeah, I use them. One, two, three blocks. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. They're these yep. kind of heavy, perfectly steel square blocks. steel blocks that mm -hmm. help keep things where they should be. Yep. I have, um, yeah, I've got a pair of those. 
Nice. Actually, they're they're great because, um, well, they're they have three different <laughs> dimensions, right? There's a there's a a long skinny side, a short skinny side, and then there's the big flat, you know, on either side, and they're great for uh, if you're building with balsa. <clears throat> you can uh, mm-hmm. you can hold your parts square right there on the building table with those as they're as you're gluing them up. Yeah, I use them all the and time. That's that's what kind of I I was going to ask if you use that at all. Absolutely. Or, like which which tools are worth having when you start, and which ones like really just don't just you only buy it if you really desperately need it because you can probably get away with it. Are we talking building kits then? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm. I'm. You know, if we're if we're done with the Exacto blade, yeah. <laughs> yes, I think we've belabored it. Yeah, we're enough. gonna skip. We'll, we'll talk about tools quickly from here on. We're not gonna talk about each one in depth. Yeah. Um, no, no, and just no. I'm not expecting you. Well, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, so basically, an Exacto, uh, a razor saw with a with a miter box, probably. Yeah. Um, okay. And some various clamps. I mean, that's. I mean, that's really yeah, all you and need then, to get like, going. And then a piece of foam, like a nice flat oh, yeah. building surface. A surface to build on. Like XPS kind of? Yeah, like the, um, well, I use extruded. Yeah, that's the what I use too, because ex- T-pins. Right, like a one-inch Oh, yeah, XPS, that's right, expanded polystyrene. Yeah, XPS. Um, and then I just use the push pins. Mm-hmm. I don't like the T-pins okay. because they hurt my fingers, so I get the, it's a little bit more expensive, but you use them over and over again, so it doesn't matter. Uh, the mm. ones that have the little plastic heads on them that are about a half inch tall or so by maybe a quarter okay. inch wide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering which pins you use. Yeah. yeah. I have T-pins as pin... a backup in case I don't have enough of the, the red I use, ones. I use both because sometimes you need the skinniness of a T-pin to fit yeah. in a tight tight spot or whatever. Or yeah. twist it to kind of hold another piece down at the right. same time. Yeah, exactly. I've done that too. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I didn't know really... that they had a different uh, thickness depending on which direction the pin. Like it was, it's well, actually like a, a rectangular, like section. a T pin. It, it'll lay flat. I mean, think of it as as folding a paper clip into a T and then making one end sharp. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. if as you're holding it down, like I said, if you want to kind of span a gap or something, you only get a quarter inch or so on each side, maybe a little bit less. And then you can actually kind of use that little bump to hold something else down if you needed to. Yeah. Yeah. Instead okay. of like pinning through the part, you can use the under surface of the T to hold the part down to yeah. the plan. Almost oh, okay. as a clamp. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was wondering do, do you pin through the part and just say stick, darn it, like it's a bug? <laughs> it depends. <laughs> it depends. I mean, it, yeah. yeah. Or do you stick, you, or do you basically kind of um, align it with the pin sometimes and use? That the pin is stuck in there yep. to, to keep the alignment. You'll yep. find whatever works best for you is how you'll do it. Like I said, there are yeah. sometimes I go through the part and sometimes I don't. Yeah. Really, really small or, or thin balsa parts, I generally don't pin through them. Yeah. I'll pin next to it and use the head of the pin to hold the part. So you don't Worry split it. So you don't the split balsa. it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Uh, thin, <clears throat> thick, or medium CA and, and or aliphatic resin. Thin yeah, CA if, and medium CA. That's really all you need. Or if you're really uh, patient and old school, um, aliphatic resin. Yeah, that's what he said. I don't know if you heard him or not. Oh, no, I was talking. I'm sorry. I probably <laughs> talked right over him. That was, that was the last thing he said. Oh, okay, yeah, that. I, I just went ahead and I wanted to try my hand at saying that word because it's <laughs> it's like saying oliphant. Yeah, uh, like, I'm a, like a hobbit. Yeah. Well, just it's such a fun wood word. Wood glue. That's the easiest. Yellow <laughs> yeah. glue, oh, okay. whatever. And epoxy. If you didn't say that already. Yeah. Epoxy. I, I didn't, but I. Five yeah. and 
well, five and thirty, probably. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, five minute and thirty minutes is what we use. Um, so it like if you're for my screws, do I want to use Loctite, the blue bottle, or red bottle? <laughs> I hope you're joking. <laughs> Joe, I hope you're joking <laughs> because I'm about to or go. Was off. it the fluid? <laughs> Is there a history here that I'm missing? No, I just hate red Loctite with like a passion. Well, I hate the fact that the blue Loctite comes in a red bottle. Yeah, that's really yeah, confusing. This, yeah, I agree. But does the blue one come with the red container? Or wait, no, it's no. They're both the in the red container. Yeah, they're both in a red container. The red Loctite is permanent, and like when I say permanent. I mean, like frustratingly permanent, like not like coming get off. out the get out the Dremel with the cutoff wheel permanent. Mm. <laughs> uh, the blue the blue Loctite is better. Yeah, um, and if you use it in moderation, it it does what it says it'll do. But I'm not a huge fan of Loctite. Period. So yeah, when I need it, I use blue. I've never used red. I don't even own red. Yeah, yeah I, I knew that was a I knew that was a touchy touchy subject. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Yeah, I I only have the blue liquid one. Yeah, because if if I had both, I'd mess it up and <laughs> yeah. use the wrong stuff. Broken yeah. plane. Well, yeah. I, I want to take a quick trip back to the the super glue and talking about the uh, thin, thick, and all that stuff. So if you're putting something together and you and you don't mind waiting for the glue to dry, wood glue or your aliphatic resin. The nice thing about that is it sands much easier. Oh man, yes. So. It does. Um, okay. If you if you're patient, mm-hmm. which sometimes I'm not, depending on like where you're building and and if it's a joint that you're kind of concerned about, yeah, that you're gonna actually see through like when you cover it, um, wood glue works a lot better because you can sand it down a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. I think I heard you say in a previous episode, one of y'all's episodes, that the alifat, not the alifat, the the CA gets into the the balsa and they kick it or you give it time to cure, but it hardens harder than the balsa. Absolutely it does, true. Yeah. Yep. So yes. when you okay. so when you sand it, like if you're joining sheets together, that joint where the two uh, sheets are joined together, that the glue that's in there will be harder than the surrounding balsa. So that when you go to sand it and try to sand it smooth, you'll be sanding the balsa away, uh, but the glue, you know, you'll have we'll a hump there yeah. where the where the glue is. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So, so you're almost why. making corrugated sheets. Yeah, almost, yeah. Oh, there's an idea. No, it's not an idea. No, okay. That's a terrible, hey. terrible idea. Anyway. But anyway, yeah, that's why that's why good. our the little how-to I did, that's why I join um, sheets, end grain, or I'm sorry, um, edge edge grain together with, uh, with aliphatic resin because it does sand much sand. better than, than the CA. Yeah. So. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Do you tend to make... When you make logos for it, like, let's say you cover your stuff in like Monocoat or whatever the Technicoat or Technicolor Dream Coat or whatever you, <laughs> the stuff is called. China Coat. China Coat's you, what you I covered, like. I mean, that's, that's China not the coat, actual right. name, but that's so much no. cheaper and easier to use. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Right. I didn't but mean either that. way, shrink. I've, honestly, I've used Dollar Tree uh, cellophane and spray 77 mm-hmm. the back of it. Yeah. And done that. It seems to work. Any plastic shrinks when it gets hot. So, yeah. yeah. It is. So, so you know, just the, the window is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, anyway, so looking at that kind of stuff, when you're making decals for that stuff, how do you tend to do that? Do you, do you like, put it on a mirror and, like, finely cut it? Or do you get, um, like, a vinyl sticker cutter thing, like, and just get it that way? Or, well, 
if you're going to decal slide. How can slide. you do that, or how do we do that? Because how do you tend to do it? Because I love. I one of the well, things I love to do is to get a little bit of like pizzazz. On yeah, the wing. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm big into tools. So I have a vinyl cutter. Um, okay. A lot of people don't. So yeah, you can absolutely cut it on a piece of glass or a mirror or something with uh, with an exacto knife. I don't do that because that's a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's- I do that because I don't have a vinyl cutter. So just recently, I had to put some iron crosses on a stick that I was recovering, and uh, mm-hmm. Ron printed them out on his large format printer, uh, brought them to me, and then I used those as templates, and then I taped the template to the back of the monocoat and trimmed it out with a knife right yeah. on top of my uh, um, sacrificial mat. What are they called? But- you know I, yeah, about? like the cutting mats. The exacto cutting, mat. cutting mats, yeah, yeah. There you go. So that's how I did it because I don't own a vinyl cutter. And it was going on a nitro airplane and nitro uh, and vinyl don't get along. Yeah, you got to watch what you get for, for that. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah but I, you don't I have to worry about nitro. Yeah, but if you're, if you're doing electric, doing yeah, vinyl yeah. is fine. Vinyl's perfect. And much, much quicker and easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I know for Matthew and I, two and a quarter hours in, we're just hitting our good stride, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, until next time, I am uh, I'm Ron. <laughs> yeah, and I'm tired, so <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to cut it there. Okay. <laughs> well, real quick, I wanted to say, yeah, and maybe I'll do this for both of us, however you want to do it. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in, yeah. and listening. Yep. Um, this episode has been, I won't say a long time in the making, but it has been a long time dreamed of, <laughs> uh, especially between Ron and I. Yeah, uh, going way, way back. So yeah, I think you brought it up guys. like a year and a half ago. I mean, it was when we yeah, were just it, first getting started. Yeah, it's uh, we weren't. We both of us were still pretty new to it. Yeah, I think I brought it up. Like this might be an interesting, but I was hesitant to bring it up. So, Bef- um, before we get too far, uh, Ron, I know that you have electric motors, mm-hmm. probably too many. I mean, that's not really true. You can't possibly have them. Never, but, but yeah. <laughs> uh, is it possible that you could set one aside and build like a like a, a boxy plane, maybe? Something with a, a, a foamy that's not a profiler with us? Oh, God. Would you, would you be up for trying it? Um, and just seeing how it's different? And it may not be better, and you may never touch it again. You are putting me on the spot to say yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot to see if you'd be interested in making that a thing that we do in the future together. Uh, you know what? I will not say no to that. I will. Uh... Just just as I took your challenge with the trimotor inadvertently. <laughs> you volunteered for that one, by the way. No. No. So honestly, the thought of building it's... with foam like that has, is not anything that ever... Um, it doesn't get you excited. But. What plane do you exi- now, get excited about? Well, the the problem with that is the plane that I would like to, to build like that is completely round. Um, and? Well, that's way too much for me to get into foam with a round fuselage. But anyway, no, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Yak-54s. Um, but now having said that, there is... There is an airplane that has gone between several of us here that is a foamy yak. Um, it's a square fuselage. Mm-hmm. But 
that flies. It tends to be. That flies really well. But it's just not, I mean, like, I don't know how to, I will try. There we go. How's that? Yes, I will try. We will build one together. However, you can pick the plan. <laughs> well, I've never you can built s- a yak. Well, no, and I'm no I, good at you, 3D flying. So I'm all about trying that with you and watching mine burning <laughs> and crash into the ground in a fun, hilarious way. Well, here's the thing. And you you pick the airplane. You send me the plans. I can print them here. I can do all that stuff. No problem. I've got all the electronics I would need. Yeah. Um. And we will. I just want to. F- I want to pick a plane you'd be interested in trying out as a foamy. That's all. Okay. We get it, it, we, that is half the battle, right? Like getting something you're going. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Let me see how that goes. Well, then anyway, sure. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like a yak might be the answer. Right, well, I'll find something for you. We'll talk. Well, yeah, we'll talk later. We'll figure it out. That might be kind of interesting to kind of come to your side of the hobby, and then one of these okay, days yeah. you come to the dark side and build oh. balsa. The dark side is coming, that's for sure. <laughs> Good. All right. Cool. Okay, so Joe, are you going to take us out? I'm sorry. I was at least going to start it and then see if Ron wanted to finish it. Um, but I, I wanted to follow up and say, guys, thank you for coming on with us, letting us come on with you. Um, it's been a good time. Yeah. And I'm sorry that my stuff's been having connection issues, but it's been a wonderful conversation. From what you've yeah, heard of it, it has, fun. hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I've been, been able to fun. hear it. Don't worry. <laughs> it's been fun. Um, but I also want to thank listeners, ours and yours mm-hmm. who've tuned in. Hopefully they've enjoyed this conversation as much as we've obviously enjoyed having it. And, um, I think I want to forego the rest of my normal outro, but Ron, Tom, y'all got a, a bit of an outro you want? Uh, aviationrcnoob.com, rcplanelab.com. Good night. Sounds good. <laughs> I'm Joe. I'm Ron. I'm Matt. I'm Tom. Good night. Good night. Good night, y'all. Good night. Y'all.